You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network. <laughs> not off the podium, not double off seven, but the Oz Network, that other show that you've been downloading from us. Uh, we are here to start a new series rewatch. We're going to be covering... Series. <laughs> all five uh, Spider-Man films. We're very excited to do this, and all leading up to Spider-Man: Homecoming coming out in a few months. But uh, we'll get this started now that I remember which show I'm on. <laughs> my name is Colin, and deliver us from evil. And my name is Ben. And can Spider-Man come out to play? This is going to be a quote machine, kind of like Flash <laughs> from the Past. Not all of them great, though, but we are here to talk about the very first Spider-Man movie, not the 1970s Spider-Man live-action series. Oh, not shit. The 1960s. Really? Oh, I've taken long notes. Oh, fuck. Yeah. No no Spider-Man animated. This is the real live-action Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire Spider, uh, Spider-Man with Sam Raimi directing. We're going back in time to 2002, the very early days of comic book movies and... Uh, Uh, It's interesting just to watch this in context of that, but uh, maybe we'll just quickly start off here. We did say we have Spider-Man Homecoming coming out soon, and we're going to cover one of these every single week leading up to that. And we have the five Spider-Man movies, so we're talking the Sam Raimi trilogy and then the Mark Webb Amazing Spider-Man ones. But let's go back in time to 2002 here. And Ben, do you want to start us off by telling us uh, your first memories of watching Spider-Man 2002? Trying to get back into my time machine here to 15-year-old Ben. Um, geez, it's a dangerous time to go back into then. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I this might be the first one. Oh, no, I did see Twister at the cinemas. So this might be the first one we've gone back and actually done that I've, that I've seen at the cinemas. Um I I remember this uh, very much because, it, it I mean, it was a very big deal, wasn't it? I mean, sort of, the, it was very out of the gate successful there was a lot of uh lead up into it and um i think kind of as a lot of people in the early 2000s got very excited about uh comic book films you know i'd sort of was on the bandwagon every time one would come out i'd go and see it and uh, i remember this coming out and um loving it just absolutely loving it and i think i went and saw it uh, at least another time i don't know if i saw it more than that. i'm pretty sure it was only twice but um you know, I was a 15-year-old making barely any money. So, I mean, that was kind of, you know, a big thing for me. But, um, yeah, it's kind of... I, I remember seeing it and then I, I think this was actually one of the very first movies that I might have then gotten on, um, you know, because this was, you know, again, 2002, it wasn't a, a big thing for a lot of people to have. I didn't have the internet at home, but it was kind of not a real thing when movies were that easily downloadable. So, when one of your friends kind of had a copy of it illegally, it was like, oh, big deal. And I remember a friend of mine had this, like a downloaded copy, a really good downloaded copy of it too. So I remember seeing it a couple of times in the cinemas and then, you know, bringing it home and dad and I sort of sat down and watched it and just constantly watching this on this, you know, VCD, I think it was back then. (laughs) Um, And yeah, just really, really obsessing over it. And back in the day too, when, you know, a DVD would come out, you'd get excited, you'd count down for the day. So you'd go out and buy a DVD on the opening day, you know, when it came out as well. So yeah, I, I, I love this film. I've just always, always really enjoyed it. I'm just going to say this now because I think this might cause some debate over these five films. I'm hashtag team Toby Maguire. 
Uh, so I am definitely in Team Toby when it comes to comparing at least Toby and Andrew Garfield. But, um, yeah, I that's my history of it. I wasn't a huge comic book fan in terms of reading actual comic books. <laughs> so um, I guess kind of that's my one thing I will say when it comes to my knowledge of the Spider-Man character over the years. But uh, I think kind of Spider-Man's developed... M- pretty much into my favourite, at least easily my favourite Marvel superhero. And on the I'm, I'm more of a DC man, but I'd probably say he's at least my second or third favourite uh, superhero when it comes to ranking superheroes. But uh, this movie just really made me love him even more. Well, I think he's probably my favourite Marvel superhero too, or maybe second favourite behind Bonesaw McGraw, but uh, <laughs> at least of the main ones. But yeah, I, I, I'm pretty much the same as you. I always been a little bit more of a bigger dc fan i think superman and batman of course were the big ones for me growing up but spider-man was the other one and probably the other marvel superhero that i was into like from a youngest age funny enough going even further back than 2002 uh i grew up for at least the first few years of my life on a farm out in the middle of nowhere like literally the middle of nowhere where we had no plumbing indoors and uh we had a black and white tv (laughs) that was probably from like the 50s um, that we barely got reception on and Spider-Man animated show was my favorite show when I was a kid uh, and we only got like three channels so there wasn't a lot of variety but it was my very favorite show and for whatever reason on this black and white TV um, that my dad was too cheap to replace despite it was in the <laughs> 80s <laughs> I remember seeing Spider-Man in color and and it, it, I know for a fact that's not possible I mean, maybe it is maybe there's some magic going on there but uh, I can even I vivid vivid I have vivid memories. (laughs) I'm getting excited here. You are, Um, really are. I'm going to daycare, probably being maybe three years old, and even telling the people at the daycare when Spider-Man came on, it's like, this is the only show we get in color. So, And my sister remembers the same thing for some reason. So I don't know. We just had very vivid imaginations. But (laughs) I loved that show growing up. And uh, when this movie came out, I was so excited. And I think what a lot of people forget is, you know, this is 2002. And at the time this came out, people said this is what started the big comic book craze. But this movie really only eventually got made because of the success of X-Men. I mean, they've been trying to make this for years. James Cameron tried to make this years earlier, and James Cameron couldn't get it made. Um, So X-Men comes out in 2000, and all of a sudden, well, comic books are cool. Everybody jump on the bandwagon, and Spider-Man was just sort of the first one to get out there. And I think a lot of things work for it. Getting a big-name director, Sam Raimi, who'd done like the Evil Dead trilogy, among other things, uh, that was huge. And the casting something that's interesting, too, and we'll, I guess we'll kind of just go through, before we start covering the movie, early things here, like the casting of Tobey Maguire. I remember that being a big deal, because everybody was assuming you're going to go with a big name. You know, that's what the, the Batman movies did, not so much with Michael Keaton, but like Val Kilmer and George Clooney at this point. And because Christopher Reeve was such a huge star, people forgot that Christopher Reeve was an unknown when Superman came out, but... Freddie Prince Jr. was the one that I remember being thrown around all the time as he was going to be Spider-Man. And then when they eventually cast Tobey Maguire, people were like, what? The, the skinny kid from Pleasantville? <laughs> but like, people forgot that Peter Parker is supposed to be a nerd. And it's funny because you can look up now and see how Tobey Maguire got cast for this, which is basically he got ripped, like you see in this movie. And his screen test was him with his shirt off. And I think it's available on the DVD somewhere. And that's what they eventually said, OK, well, people will believe this nerdy kid. But it was weird casting the time for Tobey Maguire to come out. But I remember seeing this uh, opening weekend and I eventually saw it four times in theaters. 
so it was one of my favorite movies at the time. And, uh, you know, there's some things about it that don't quite work now. But, I mean, it's still a blast. And I still had a blast re-watching it here. And uh, I, I don't know if I'm Team Garfield or Team Maguire. But uh, we'll probably have a decisive opinion by the end of this. And I, I remember kind of my dad was a, a very big comic book fan. And we sort of growing up, we a big thing we did was collect sort of like trading cards and um, we used to always get the comic book ones. And I remember my dad, you know, would always kind of have his favourites. And he would always say his favourite was Spider-Man. And, um, you know, so my dad was, like, super excited for this to come out. And it was interesting kind of, um, like, with the Tobey Maguire side of things. You know, we, we talk up Brendan Fraser so much kind of in Blast from the Past. And we've still got plenty more Brendan Fraser to cover. But I, I kind of, I feel, yeah, I'm, I'm a similar sort of page with Brendan Fraser almost with Tobey Maguire. Because... I, I really like Tobey Maguire. Everything I've ever seen him in, I just, you know, like him. And he's kind of one of these actors now that sort of has just disappeared into obscurity. It's kind of, I mean, has he done anything really since The Great Gatsby? I don't, I don't know. But um, it's just, I, I didn't really know sort of about that backlash. I mean, my dad had backlash. I'll say that my dad does not like Tobey Maguire or Spider-Man. But... Um, I mean, it's just, it's fascinating kind of you saying too about sort of the, the superhero films, because I mean, you know, from here on in, you know, we had what, like, um, uh, Daredevil wasn't far after this, was it? And then more X-Men movies and Hulk, Hulk yeah. and just, you know, they just kept coming and they kept coming. And I, I mean, it's interesting you saying about the rewatch. I actually only rewatched all of the Spider-Man movies probably within the last month of even doing this. So kind of, these are still very fresh. And this one I have seen, you know, numerous times over the years. So I know this one easily the best, but, I kind of just, I don't know, again, I'm jumping the gun here. I'm sure we do this more in our, you know, review right at the end. But as much as kind of superhero movies have obviously developed over these years, 15 years since it's come out, I just, I can almost feel this is a, I, I, I hate to say, use this word, but almost like a perfect comic book movie in the fact that it's, mm-hmm. it's not too campy. It's not Batman and Robin, you know, over the top campy, but it's not also so serious, you know, that you just kind of, I don't know. It just, to me, it feels like I'm watching a comic book and just mm-hmm. the way it's done. And to me, this is another, not against superhero movies today because they have their place, but this is to me how a superhero comic book movie should be done. If you know what I mean? It's yeah. serious, a, a good blend of serious and fun and I think sometimes maybe they're a bit too serious now, and obviously going back 10 years before, they're a little bit too silly. So, I don't know. I, maybe we will have our minds changed across this film. Maybe you'll have some arguments for and against it, but I'm just putting that out there before we start talking about it. Yeah, like, no doubt about it. I love this movie, and I agree pretty much with everything you said. And funny, because it, it took me a couple of days before I saw this when it came out. I think I saw it, it came out on the Friday, and I saw it on the Sunday or something like that. But I remember talking to somebody who saw it the night before or like the night it came out. And the way he described it to me was like you said, like it was like a living comic book movie. And movies had been very cartoony like Batman and Robin, which really was a comic book style. And after this, we would see Hulk, which I think in some ways is an underrated movie, which got almost too literal with comic book where you're seeing like the panels moving and everything on the TV. And this it just felt like everything the the campy stuff was intentionally campy the over the top action was intentionally over the top you know the the love story was very child friendly i mean it, it's a movie that appealed to all audiences which is why it went on to become such a big hit and we'll go over like how big it was at the end of this but it, i think it was the right movie at the right time and x-men really got people's attention with doing a comic book movie seriously and realistically where you realize you don't have to go the route of batman and robin and make it so literal with, you know, the the costumes and everything. <laughs> but you can also have, like, a lot of heart to the story. So, yeah. uh, 
we'll we'll jump into this here and opening it. It's funny because it always surprises me how far into the movie before we even really see Spider-Man. It's almost halfway into it, but just the opening here. I mean, we we hear him talk about the you know who am I and everything, and it's that that all ties into the end. But it's perfectly introduced to Peter Parker, and this is why I was saying that a lot of people were like, "Well, Tobey Maguire is so scrawny and everything." And they're like, that is Peter Parker, and that's why I loved him as Peter Parker. The opening scene where he's chasing the bus, you, you have him saying, like, I wish I was this guy. It's showing, like, flash. And I didn't even think this guy, the fat guy spilling the donut jelly all over himself, <laughs> who then laughs at Peter as he chases him on the bus. I love that moment. The just the most uncool kid, the, the slob of the class who's spilling donut juice all over him, is pointing and laughing at you. You know you're the loser of the school. Um, so, yeah, I eventually catches the bus. And we get the introduction to both Harry and Norman Osborn. And Willem Dafoe, I mean, getting Willem Dafoe in a movie like this is fantastic. And I think where everybody assumed they were going to get a bigger name for Spider-Man, everybody knew they would have to get a big name for the Green Goblin. And Willem Dafoe, I think, is a perfect guy. And uh, James Franco as Harry Osborn, I mean, he's gone on to become probably a bigger star than anybody else in this movie. And funny enough, he was one of their final choices to play Peter Parker, and they just didn't think that he was right for it. But they made sure to cast him in this as Harry anyways. Uh, I like the introduction with him and Harry where he's talking about, uh, you know, these are public school kids. I don't want to drive up in a Rolls, which I'll have uh, an interesting comment on that later on. But you can tell the father and son don't really get along. And Harry's been kicked out of all these schools. Uh, Peter's <laughs> basically spying on Mary Jane. And <laughs> the, the scene where she's waving and he thinks he's <laughs> waving to him. You've got it right now as your profile yeah. picture. like, hi, all excited. And his friends just walk right past him. Uh, but yeah, you were going to say something. There? Oh, I, I, I didn't know if you'd finished kind of recapping that Please, You, if you had more to yeah. say, I don't want to oh, jump in okay. over the we'll, top we'll of stop, you. We'll stop before we get to his transformation here. Um, we just get introduced to all the main characters within, I don't know, not even five minutes here. And, you know, Peter Parker is a total loser, which is funny. If you go back and read the original first issue of Spider-Man, and even watch the animated show, like the original animated series. This is all here with him just being snubbed by all the girls and everything and being a total loser. It's awesome. Well, this is, I think, my real argument for uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is that he is he's so much more Peter Parker than Andrew Garfield. You know, it's... it's and I, I'm sure, look, jumping... We'll, we'll talk about this throughout kind of all five of these, but to me... As you said, Peter Parker is a nerd. He's a geek. You know, he's not meant to be popular. To me, Andrew Garfield just there's no part of him as to- as uh, Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker <laughs> that is is geeky. You know, it's it's kind of he's done in that way that's like hipster geek. How it's kind of almost cool in that period, and I guess maybe that's what they were going for. But this is the Peter Parker I want to see. I want to see Peter Parker literally saying, "I wish I was the fat kid biting into a donut, <laughs> spilling over." <laughs> like, wow! You know, you're at the bottom yeah. of the pile when that guy you want to be. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's just yeah. I, I just the opening credits. I just love how kind of you got the webs and just the the music is so amazing. Just want to point mm-hmm. that out. The, the score and the theme for this movie, it's just, oh, it's nearly perfect. I'm using that P word a lot. But, um, yeah, I, I just love this opening sequence. And I've written here, like, dick bus driver. Even the yes. bus driver's laughing. <laughs> like, and what? he's messing with him because when Mary Jane comes up, she's like, he's been chasing us for, like, 16 blocks here. <laughs> 
Oh, and I, I like it when he gets on the bus, you hear that person in the back going, you're so lame, Parker. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I will say, there's going to be a recurring theme in the next three episodes of this Spider-Man. There's one thing I do not like about the Tobey Maguire trilogy, and that is Mary Jane Watson, all right? Like, just no. I will take Gwen Stacy and Emma Stone over Kirsten Dunst and Mary Jane Watson. Um, and I don't know if it's a Kirsten Dunst thing. I, I have nothing against Kirsten Dunst. Uh, it's probably just the way she portrays his character because I get so mad at her in these films. I'm going to yell a lot at her <laughs> because seriously, I'm just saying it now. She brings all of this on herself. All right, people, um, just, just stop it, Mary Jane. Uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, and Flash, can I just point out, like, you're talking about kind of people who go on to big things. Like, yeah, James Franco, for sure. Uh, maybe probably J.K. Simmons, you would maybe... I mean, he obviously went on to win oh, an yeah. Oscar. But um, Flash, I, I'm going to butcher his last name, but you know what I'm talking about. Joe Mangiello, I can't say his last name properly. This was his first film. Now, of course, he has gone on to women's wet dreams when it comes to Magic Mike. Uh, but I mean, you know, as a as a True Blood fan, he obviously uh, was was a big role in um, in True Blood and How I Met Your Mother as well. Um, when it comes to that as well, so uh, yeah, he he's gone on to pretty big things outside of this. More so as kind of the hunk who everybody wants to see with his shirt off. But um, but let's uh, and again, I don't know if you were even aware of this or not. But let's not forget, he's about to jump ship in a big way to DC now. He went from Flash Thompson in Marvel, one of the original movies, and he's been cast now as the lead villain in the Ben Affleck Batman movie oh, as Deathstroke, which is not a major know that. character. There yeah, you go. And, he, and I remember what a big deal it was when the casting was announced. Everybody was so excited. And I, I wasn't. I'm, I'm not a True Blood fan, and I'm. Not a Magic Mike fan, <laughs> but <laughs> really, <laughs> uh, when I had to Google because everybody kept talking about this guy who was going to be playing Deathstroke in the new Batman movie and how awesome his casting was. And I Google, I'm like, that's Flash Thompson. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine you're not a fan of Magic Mike. You are married to Jamie, right? I mean, I'm sure she plays it on repeat like every single day. <laughs> she refuses to watch Channing Tatum because she doesn't believe the man's capable of opening his eyes all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and I'm not entirely sure Channing Tatum can blink, but this isn't the Channing Tatum podcast. <laughs> that, is, that is a really weird way of explaining him, but I see it. Good job, Jamie. Al <laughs> C, um, that was his name in True Blood. I was trying to remember it. He's the wolf. He's the werewolf in um in True Blood. Because our favorite, um, you know, crossover from our Amazing Race episodes back in the day with Grant Bowler, when he was in True Blood, he was like in Our Seeds Herd. So, um, there you go. Weird connection. Um, but yeah, the, the one thing that I kind of, it, like, I've, I found myself nitpicking things in this film of just continuity and things that I kind of don't think make sense. So, Harry, he's obviously flunked out of all these private schools. He's come now to this public school. Now, is, are we meant to believe this is a recent thing? Because kind of the way, you know, Norman's kind of talking to him about, you know, oh, here I am, blah, blah, blah. But then it's implied that Peter and Harry have known each other for a long time. Like, am I the one reading too much in this or have I missed something here? Well, where does it say they were, they've were? they known each other for a long time? I swear, in like, in the second and third films, there's, like, there's more sort of that's touched on that they've known each other for a long time. Well, like, I don't remember. I mean, I... I know by the second and third film, they have known each other a longer time because years pass in between these. Well, but, well true. Uh, 
But I mean, this is the first time he's introduced him to his father. The, the one thing that I always find, and I'm going to get into this more later on, is how close this relationship between Peter and Norman is when if you watch the movie, they have about three 60-second yes. conversations. <laughs> I noticed that too, time, yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing with Mary Jane. And every time they interact it's not like they're saying uh it's like oh hey how's it going as if you you know oh i saw you last week every time they talk in these movies it's like gee i haven't seen you since the last scene we were in together where we talked for only 60 seconds like they're almost pointing out to us these characters don't have anything to do with each other but they're like so super close but yeah that's nitpicking it but it's fun again it's comic books you know yeah yeah i mean i I, i've definitely noted that down when it comes to especially the final scene in this movie it was like a father to you really um yeah (laughs) but um just yeah look willem dafoe uh, look you're gonna hear me talk about this a bunch of times and i've probably mentioned it already on the oz network but uh i i am honored to say i have uh interviewed willem dafoe and in person it wasn't like a phone or a skype thing uh he came to hobart he was in a a film filmed in tasmania called the hunter which i you know i'd love to cover one day on this on this show because it is actually quite a good film and um he came for the the world premiere of it he went on the red carpet and you know i i tried to move hell and high water to get like you know him in studio and like this really in-depth interview and kind of it just didn't work out but basically they were the film production people and the sort of the pr people behind it were were nice enough to invite me onto the red carpet and you know bring him over to me for a one-on-one interview i mean it's literally like a 40 second interview but we will we'll put it in this episode at some point not talking about spider-man sadly but it's still willem dafoe i mean come on um you know two-time academy award nominee willem dafoe um and i i, I do remember this um you know there's a lot of fans obviously there you know this is an a-list hollywood actor in hobart of course you're gonna have a lot of people out for this and there was a fan on the red carpet who brought a green goblin mask and willem dafoe loved it he just went off his face lit up and he was talking to this guy for a good like you know longer than i got to interview him basically and you know he signed it for this guy and just you know you could tell that kind of green goblin and at that point that would have been at least 10 years easily after spider-man I mean, it's just, it still means a lot to him. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's perfect in this role. And it's, it's interesting kind of seeing the other people that were considered for, uh, the Green Goblin. I'm seeing here Nicolas Cage, John Malkovich, and John Travolta. Uh, I like John Travolta, but I do not see John Travolta as the Green Goblin. I mean, come on. But, uh, yeah, this whole sequence is fun. I, I really, I really, you know, it's a good introduction. As you said, we kind of meet all the main people within the space of like, you know, five minutes. Mm hmm. And the only one of those that I remember being a big deal was John Malkovich. I think everybody assumed it was John Malkovich. That was one of those, you know, things where it was very uh, public. So he's probably the one who got the closest. But that was what was all over the news. And it was sort of like Willem Dafoe came out of nowhere when it was like, oh, yeah, John Malkovich isn't going to do the movie. And then a day later, well, Willem Dafoe's been cast. And like, oh, well, that's kind of better. So good. You know? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. I, mean, look, I like John Malkovich, but I mean, it's kind of, I think... It's 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 one of these roles, isn't it, where you just kind of really cannot see anybody else doing it. I mean, the, yeah. what's the, the douchey guy who becomes Green Goblin in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I mean, God, wait till we get to Dane that. Dane Dehane, yeah. Yeah, but it's just he's just perfect for this role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the other thing I think that really works about this is the transformation scene, which is coming up, which really does deviate from the comics. And it's funny, we're going to get into the organic web shooters later on, people, <laughs> but... Everybody gets so upset with like, well, they changed that from the comics, but nobody really cares that they changed this year because in the comics and in the animated series and all those other things, the way he transforms is that there's like a radioactive ray beam or something like that. 
and a spider, just a regular spider, lowers through it and becomes radioactive, which really, if you think about it, doesn't work in a movie. And this is much better because they're in this field trip where they're watching all of the genetically engineered spiders and uh, they go over all the things including the spidey sense they talk about here which again it's all setting up all the powers he's going to have but my favorite things in this whole scene here is the teacher that feels like he needs to whisper everything in the firmest way possible (laughs) like this teacher is a bigger jerk than the bus driver and i've written that down i've written dick teacher (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> the exact same note. What is going? Why is he whispering everything? And he doesn't Guys. look any older than these kids. Like he looks yeah, like he should be in this class. <laughs> he looks younger than like James Franco at least. <laughs> and the I thing is, the think- thing is, he's not he's not consistent. Like when he when he calls out the the douche jock guys and he's like, if I hear one more person saying something, you know, you're gonna fail straight away. I mean it. It's like, no, you don't, because Mary Jane and and uh, Harry are having a good old conversation before you pull him up, you know, and and Harry and Peter are talking. Like, follow your rules, mate. <laughs> He, he lets Peter and Mary Jane stick around to flirt with a camera for <laughs> 10 minutes afterwards. You were talking during that woman's entire presentation. Let's talk about this. <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and the thing is, what, what is this school excursion? I mean, what is it? Like, we're looking at... What are they Spider studying? Factory. Spiders? <laughs> well, I would I would think that this is just one of the things. Like, maybe this is some type of you know, genetics laboratory, and this just happens to be the spider exhibit. Oh, we'll show you this. And then right after that, they're like, let's show you what we do to little lambs. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know a lamb with like a lion head in the next room. <laughs> lamb man coming soon to, um... but yeah, because I mean, what does he say? Like, oh, this is the biggest telescope or something on the Eastern Sea. Well, I love Harry's reaction when he's like, yeah. ooh, and you know, when he's like talking about all the spiders and he's like, you know, some spiders can, you know, change to it's fit in with their real. environments. Like, what would make you think I would want to know that? Who wouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> and then he uses it as a pickup line. Yeah. <laughs> you know, definitely. Mary Jane, you know, gets off over spider facts. You know, probably would. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, she probably sleeps with a spider and then claims she loves it five <laughs> seconds later. You have a real, real vendetta. We have not Kristen even Dunst. started yet. All right, she's fine at the moment. Is- she's, you know, she's got a boyfriend at least and hasn't cheated on him yet. So cool, it's good. She's- okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be with you in the inconsistency of her character and that her character is fairly unlikable throughout this entire trilogy. If you yes. think about it. But, I mean, I don't dislike her in the role, and I think the one thing that this movie deserves more credit for is the scenes that they have between Tobey Maguire and Kristen Dunst. This was one of the few examples, and I know comic movies get a lot right these days, but the one thing they don't is actually having that that love story dynamic and having good chemistry between co-stars. I mean, I love the Superman movies. I love Henry Cavill. You know, Amy, Amy Adams is good in everything outside of the Superman movies, but they have no chemistry together. And what yeah. Tom McGuire and Kristen Dunst have is they have great chemistry where they have fun and just doing this little photo shoot, they both get their characters. She's kind of fun and joking around and, you know, polite to him. And he's just drooling all over her and, you know, barely able to form a sentence. And I love that stuff. I mean, look, yeah, I I don't disagree with you. And I I, I guess I probably should reiterate, I don't really think I've got a problem with Kirsten Dunst because I have nothing against her as a, you know, I know a lot of people seem to hate on her because of it's Kirsten Dunst. And I don't think, I think she's got this weird hatred fan base out there or something like that. But Because she was a child actor, basically. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I I think it is just the character because... Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. It's again. I I really do not have anything against her as an actress. I like her in a lot of things that she's been in, and weirdly, this might be the only role I've ever seen in her in where I've kind of thought, "Hey, she's actually attractive." But it's <laughs> it's um, that sounded a bit mean, didn't it? But it's just like the character <laughs> really gives me the shit. It like, oh, don't get me started yet, man. I've written so many notes on this. I've literally screamed in capitals on my pages at her. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Um... <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we have the fun little scene between them, and then we get the spider bite, which, you know, leads us into the next sequence. And it really, it's very simple, but the way that Sam Raimi builds it with, like, these overhead shots, I mean, everybody knows how Spider-Man becomes Spider-Man. So to do these things and to, like, build it up and really, you know, give it a payoff, and that's one thing I will give this credit for over the new ones. I mean, I understand the amazing Spider-Man, it's hands, their hands are kind of tied. We're telling the same story that we told only 10 years ago, you know, so a lot of it just ends up being kind of throwaway, but I mean, this is done perfectly and it's exactly what you expect from a Spider-Man transformation, uh, as is the following scenes where we get introduced to, uh, um, uncle, uh, Ben and aunt may here. One of these is awesome. And one of these is not, um, <laughs> I wonder which one guess? you don't like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wrote, I'll read you what my notes say here. Uncle Ben can change a light bulb and is all kinds of awesome. Aunt May blows. So, <laughs> that's up, up. Peter's adopted parents to me. I know this isn't just me because I know that Aunt May is kind of considered by many people to be one of the most annoying characters in comic book movies, particularly this version. It's not a knack. Not, a knack uh, it's not a knock against Rosemary Harris who plays. I mean, she, she does okay, but it's just the character is just it. I don't like quirky old women. You don't. <laughs> Go back and listen to our Twister episode. <laughs> yeah, and I, I repeatedly call Aunt Meg and Twister Aunt May, and I had the same mistake here where I tried writing Meg many times. I call your Aunt Meg. Go on. <laughs> yeah, but come on. Like, Uncle Ben is awesome. We get so much here with him, uh, with, uh, you know, him being fired from his job. He's like 68 years old or whatever. And I love his rant on computers. It's like, computer repairman, computer analyst. It's like, even the computers need analysts these days. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, when Peter comes home and he, he looks like he's stumbling in drunk. <laughs> he's like, I'm not feeling well. I'm like, What's his problem? Like, Uncle Ben's the best. I love this Uncle Ben. I love him so much more than Martin Sheen. Wow, wow. Big call. Um, yeah, this whole, the whole sequence, I mean, this is, can we just go back to the year 2002, like you said, and remember when, for a lot of people who weren't into the comic book, so this was a new thing, seeing this, that this was fresh, the Spider-Man origin story. You know, it didn't feel like you'd seen it again. And then in a few months' time, we might see it again. I know it's kind of different. We're not going to see him getting bitten by the spider. He's already Spider-Man. I understand, you know, that um, the Marvel comic universe is going to treat it differently, hopefully. That's what they said about the Amazing Spider-Man, didn't they? Um, the untold story. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's quick to the point, isn't it? Like, we're, we're already, what, mm-hmm. 10 minutes in, basically, and bam, bitten by a spider. Bam, he's home. Bam, he's sick. You know, he's going to be, you know, getting all these powers soon. But, I mean, again... Got a nitpick. Why is this spider out of the thing in the first place? How does it get up there? Right? Okay. Secondly, when he gets bitten, how does that computer screen know that it's a new species and kind of that it's all, you know, tick, 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 these are all these new abilities? And thirdly, 
Why doesn't he go to the hospital? Like, why does it? Like, I know it's a different yeah, movie. I, Peter Parker goes to the hospital, gets his spider bite tr- treated. Not super, uh, not Spider-Man. The end. But, yeah. um, like, if you're getting bitten by what you've been told is a super spider, a radioactive spider, I'm thinking as an Australian here, you get bitten by a spider, you go to the hospital. <laughs> Especially if you start feeling all woozy and everything. Yes. And, you know... You- you can't see where you're going. Um, there was but- a story to really freak people out about coming to Australia. There was a recent story about a tourist who came here and was bitten by a spider. He went to, like, a friend's house and helped him work. And he- this was, like, not even a deadly spider. This was just, you know, a kind of semi-poisonous spider. You should really go to the doctor about it, but it's not going to kill you in, like, three seconds like most spiders here will. So he ignored it. He was like, oh, no, that's fine. Two days later, he basically collapsed, and everyone's like, what's wrong with him? They had to take him to the hospital, put him in a coma. He had his legs amputated, because all because he didn't go to the hospital to get this looked at. And it would have been fine if he had gone straight away, anti-venom, you're okay, mate, off you go. And, like, that's Australia for you. So, as Peter Parker, if this is in Australia, he's dead. He's not Spider-Man, okay? He's not fighting the macho man. <laughs> no, exactly. But anyway, I do, I really, I'm sounding like I don't like this movie. I do like this movie. Um, did we miss the scene of uh, Norman and that I'm, in the lab? I'm going to group that in oh, the okay, transformation right. one, yeah. You were, you were worrying me there for a moment. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, look, Ben, how can you not love him? And he's got the best name in the world. Uh, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> Oh, it's- now you ruined it for me. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I'm a comic book character. Where Colin, <laughs> Uncle Colin. Um, but what I what I kind of like about the, the you know the Sam Raimi trilogy as well. And again, I don't mean to sort of jump way ahead by kind of nitpicking at the Amazing Spider-Man too, because I mean I do like one of those films. Um, but it's kind of. We don't really get much of a background in terms of Peter's past, like his his actual mum and dad, if you know what I mean. You know, like kind of they obviously go into a lot more of that in the Amazing Spider-Man. But here, like, I mean, we we kind of at the end of this movie, Peter basically forgets he even has a dad because Ben is his dad at that point. So yeah. it's kind of you know it's it's gelled over. But there is, um, I, I kind of maybe am with you when it come, when it come to saying about you like him more than Martin Sheen because. You know, you can't knock Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen is Martin Sheen. He's yeah. awesome. It's kind of like Sally Field. Like, Sally Field is awesome. She's Sally Field. But it's kind of weird how they went for the big names for, you know, Uncle Ben and Aunt, Aunt Meg. <laughs> Aunt May. Aunt Meg, I'm doing it now. Um, in, in The Amazing Spider-Man, where it's kind of, I mean, not to say these two obviously aren't famous actors. You know, Rosemary Harris and Cliff Robertson, you know, are, are famous in their own right. But you feel they're more of your uncle and aunt, don't you? Like, it's, it's almost like... Yeah. Sally Field and Martin Sheen are almost, you feel like he's their, they're their, his parents. Whereas with this, you feel like they're his aunt and uncle. And I kind of think that's, it works better because it's kind of, you feel more for him as having to have grown up with his aunt and uncle than, you know, them almost being parents. You never feel at any point, I feel, with like, you know, Aunt May that she's his mum, if you know what I mean. So I think that works better. And Look, I kind of nothing Aunt May in these films. I mean, I, I'm not anti-old lady like you are, but um, <laughs> she does kind of, I guess there are some moments where she almost does turn into a, an MJ style of, oh, God, she's in danger again. But it's yeah. not to the point where I'm yelling at the screen. It's like, oh, poor little old lady in the bank vault, like in the next one, where it's like, it's like oh, God, MJ, if you didn't just, you know, keep your pants, keep your legs spread, then maybe you... Close them and you want to be captured all the time. Oh. 
She's not even in this scene, and you're already <laughs> ranting about her. Fucking MJ. Let's let's move on to something we're gonna love here, which is the uh, I guess duo of scenes that is Willem Dafoe's great transformation. So the first scene in the Oscorp lab, we have the government general or whatever who's there to check on this glider, which we're gonna see later on, and they're talking about this formula that's uh, obviously gonna you know give somebody powers, uh, and clearly this guy, this this general guy, doesn't care, and they drop a little bit about this quest company and how have they this exosuit. Uh, even one of Norman's other business partners there just seems to think he's a joke. And, of course, his other doctor assistant. But I always forget the doctor's name here. Uh, Dr. Strom, that's his name. So uh, Dr. Strom, who is just wrecking this entire presentation. Where it's like, <laughs> what do you think? It's like, we need to take the whole thing back to formula. We get one of Norman's two back to formula. Like that's, <laughs> It's just a phrase that infuriates the man. Back to formula. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, he's so sucking up to this guy, it's awesome. And, uh, you know, obviously we know that his entire contract's going to be done if he doesn't do something about it. And following this, we have um, the transformation scene where he's decided he's going to test on himself. And just going back for a second, I love how Dr. Strom, they're talking about what are the side effects. And he's like, one thing, he's like, aggression and then insanity. Like, aren't they testing on rats? How do you gauge insanity <laughs> with rats? Like... Does he start dressing up in, like, different costumes and, and having schizophrenia talking to himself like Norman does? Like, I don't understand how they determined there was insanity among these rats. But, yeah, second scene, which is amazing. And this is, this is why Over the Top works in a comic book movie because it's handled right here. And you need it to feel like it's a comic book movie with Norman's transformation. Just little things when he smashes the glass for no reason whatsoever after he takes the formula or whatever, the medicine. And then his whole, like, convulsing when he's, you know, getting the the gas. And then, of course, he just chokes the guy and he says again, back to formula. Against <laughs> <laughs> the wall, killing the man. And then has, like, this, this what even type of animal would you call it where he leaps and he's like, how is it? It's like just, it's a Willem Dafoe. Um, I mean, it's... It's, it's like Smallville thirst vampire. Like, <laughs> oh man, it is without a doubt the most over the top scene, second most over the top scene in the movie. I got another one later on for that, but it works so well. Like the Green Goblin's transformation is amazing, and it's yeah, it's it's great. I mean, it's, I think. I think there's an episode of Family Guy when they, they do some random, you know, one of their flashaway things and they mention, like, Willem Dafoe and it's, like, a frog or something like that going, like, Willem Dafoe, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a random thing when you said animal and I'm thinking of Willem Dafoe. <laughs> but, um, yeah, kind of the, the lab scene when he's, like, showing these army guys around, uh, you know, so obviously he's making these super suits and that what for the military or, or something along those lines. Um, but I, I, you kind of feel for Norman a lot in this because, you know, unlike someone like Mary Jane who brings it on herself, oh, um, Norman kind of like it all, I, you got to feel bad for him because like he's, he's selling all this stuff and clearly, I mean, these army, these, whoever they are, don't really care very much. They obviously would rather go with Quest, but you know, he's yeah. talking about the, the tests and all this sort of stuff. And I think they say like one out, I don't know how many tests they say went negative. And this is where this Dr. Mm-hmm. Strong is kind of like, you know, oh, one went bad. So it's like, okay. One so, went insane. <laughs> but, but out of how many? Like if they did 500 tests and 499 went right, like I'm yeah. with Norman. Like back to yeah, formula? Exactly. Like fuck you. Back to formula. 
<laughs> um, and yeah, I was kind of thinking the same. Like, are we missing a, a side movie here of like the Green Rat or something like that? Yeah, <laughs> like, going insane. Um, it's it's kind of it's interesting, but the, like the, the transformation scene, it's it's because they say, don't they? Like, oh, you've got two weeks to to test yeah. this, and Doctor Strom is there, if I'm not mistaken. So when he turns around and says, "Oh, let's do some more research, get a volunteer," how long will that take? Oh, two weeks. Did you not just hear what they said? <laughs> that it's two weeks you've got. Come on. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Everything, this scene is great. My favourite bit is when they put the clamps on Willem Dafoe and he's like, oh, it's cold. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's like so serious for the rest of this. Yeah, and and then he's so angry at the end of this to just have this one, whoo, cold. It's just like, it's, I wonder if that was ad-libbed. Like, I feel that kind of wasn't in the script and like Willem Dafoe probably is just reacting and they're probably yeah. like, use it, use it, keep going, keep going. <laughs> Um, but it's also just a throwback to kind of, I think it was you who mentioned it maybe in the sixth day or was it Twister where you kind of said about how, you know, those nineties computers always beep whenever you type things and we get that. But I love the scene. Yeah. When he jumps up and he like hisses and he's like, um, because he's just scary. Like he is just, he is so Willem Dafoe. (laughs) I I mean, how has he never been a Bond villain? I mean, I know that's kind of very cliche, yeah. Willem Dafoe was a Bond villain, but that works. There's a reason for that, you know? Um, so, yeah, he, he just needs to play this type of character in every movie, which he kind of does anyway. <laughs> but um, yeah. maybe not hissing and jumping up shirtless. And, and damn, Willem Dafoe, you ripped too, son. Like, you looking good. Uh, well, we're like, woo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Give us some Willem. Well, like Mary Jane with her cleavage and yeah. wet rain nipples. Woo, why, Willem Dafoe. Why was it Willem Dafoe yeah. in Magic Mike, you know, with squinty-eyed <laughs> Channing Tatum? I want Willem Dafoe <laughs> taking his clothes off. Um, let's speaking of taking their clothes off here. Uh, <laughs> so we get Peter waking up in the morning feeling great, but he can't see through his glasses. And then we get the reveal of him and his ripped body, which, as I said, you can see the screen test. And they did talk about, I don't know if it was on the commentary, if it was some documentary about how that was one of the prerequisites. The studio said, we want to see a screen test with this guy with his shirt off. And that they intentionally filmed a screen test where he was doing a fight scene with his shirt off just to prove that, you know, he no people aren't going to laugh at him as Spider-Man. Um, so, yeah, I love the moment here. Where he's like, uh, any change, Peter? Yeah, and he looks down, and he's like, big change. <laughs> I've literally Peter written here in my notes. Glasses, vision, muscles, big dick. Yeah, I wrote Peter's Peter has big change. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after this, he, you know, jumps the banister. He's all happy. Him and Uncle Ben have a after-school painting date. They're, they're all cool with each other, and Aunt May's like, yeah, how come I'm not invited to the party? <laughs> and they're like, because you blow Aunt May. Uh, <laughs> But wow. even little scenes like this that Tobey Maguire and Cliff Robertson have together, like these two have chemistry. Tobey Maguire has chemistry with everybody in this movie because that's he's why awesome. He he's Tobey Maguire. Come on, why is he? He's like yeah. the Brendan Fraser of superhero movies. <laughs> Him and Brendan Fraser again. They need to be in like a buddy cop film. Could you imagine how awesome that would be? <laughs> Brendan and Toby, <laughs> like, and as their characters from like Blast from the Past and Pleasantville. You Pleasantville, know? yeah. <laughs> Uh, but he chases the bus again, and of course, you know, this time, something's stuck to his hand, that's kind of weird. 
you know, he goes to school and in the middle of the lunchroom, MJ slips and he catches her, which again, it looks so cheesy, but that is a comic book. They weren't trying to take this so seriously. So I like that cool little effect where he catches her and then, you know, she has her first of many, I'm going to flirt with a guy right in front of my boyfriend moments. <laughs> oh. Oh. I, I know I'd get you going with that. Uh, and of course, he's got something stuck to his wrist, so he flings it. It's organic web shooters, people, which we'll talk about at the end of these scenes here. Throws it back, it hits Flash in the back, and of course, Flash goes after him. We have a big fight scene, which again is just as over the top as the catching the lunch tray, uh, but still amazing. Um, I love this whole fight scene at the school. Uh, I love, you know, the Spidey sense. You get to see the Spidey sense for the first time. The little moment where the guy throws the punch and he actually does like a double take and nobody else is moving. It's pretty funny. And of course, like the the part where MJ is like, uh, help him, Harry. And he's like, which one? <laughs> it, it's great to see the nerd all of a sudden just mop the floor with these bullies. Uh, and then he runs out of school because even this is why this movie understood Spider-Man, the Spider-Man character. Even when Spider-Man or Tobey Maguire does something right, you think, he's like, I just want to fight. There's still people who's like, you're such a freak, Parker. Like, he can never win, and that's what the whole point of the Peter Parker character is. So this whole sequence is just showing how amazing he could be and also how hated he can be. And which, again, trumps all over the Adam Garfield version of Peter Parker because you don't really ever feel that, I think, with him as Peter Parker. Uh, you know, even I feel he's in- great skateboarding i guess well, that's one thing <laughs> you know because that's what cool geeks were in what 2011 <laughs> i mean come on um yeah I, I i just love the the scene when he looks down you know and he's like bigger you know or change and like what a guy thing that is <laughs> you know that is such First thing i'm gonna do is check out my well, package <laughs> i think we all know we would do that if you woke up you're all of a sudden like i'm fat right so like if i woke up tomorrow and i'm like thin got muscles can see that is literally the probably the first thing i'm going to do like oh i wonder if my dick's grown not that it needs yeah. to but um <laughs> just shut up ben but um, <laughs> i like the it's fact- fine in fact it's bigger than Tobey Maguire's. i swear <laughs> exactly exactly um but like i i like the kind of the scene when he's like perving through the window at mj like he's been living next to her for how long like, this is a scene, Toby, where you pull the pants down and go, hey, MJ, look what just grew. Uh, And and she would go for it. (laughs) Their drapes, their curtains are already closed. You can see right in, even with it closed. So he must have been spying on her in bed, like, several times. I I think there's a whole different movie. (laughs) Definitely. Remember that kid from American Beauty with his camera? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see Tobey Maguire and kind of doing that. Um, but yeah, the, I love the whole, like, again, little nitpick. He's walking, he's following MJ. MJ gets picked up and then he's late for the bus again. Where's he going to catch that bus and how is he late for it? Like, is he just, is there a bus stop down the street that we don't see? And if MJ also didn't get picked up, was she late too? <laughs> yeah exactly well her friends picked her up but i guess she would have been standing there waiting for the bus he just wasn't paying attention yeah probably. but I, I just i wonder what happens all the other days you know if you watch the scene what happens every other day is he's st- sitting there watching her and then doesn't realize the bus leaves and again it's kind of it's a kind of back to your point where it's like it's sort of implied at, at some point randomly that these were like besties 
You know, I mean, yeah. how how do you live next to somebody? I mean, again, this is obviously the point because, you know, he's Peter Parker, he's invisible, he's a geek, and, you know, he's beautiful MJ next door. But it's kind of like they've been living together. So, what, he's meant to be, what, 16, 17 in this film? Um, you know, 17. So, so 17 and what they lived since 11 years, essentially. How do you mm-hmm. have 11 years of living next to each other where you've also got to walk next to, you know, walk to the bus stop? They not have the least, same bus stop. <laughs> like, not at least exchange pleasantries. I mean, it's kind of... She stands up for him on the bus. Maybe the one nice thing she does all movie. And you like, know, she also she also knew in that first scene how long he'd been chasing them. She could have been like, oh, that guy who catches the bus with me back there, uh, he's waving at you, but she waits too. So she's just as cruel as everybody else. <laughs> Bitch. Um... <laughs> But the the whole yeah, I love how you said like she is flirting with somebody in front of yeah. you know a boyfriend. You know, just get used to it, people. I mean, God, it's the fourth boy she's been within three seconds in this film already. <laughs> um, but that that scene with the tray that I only found out recently that that actually was filmed for real. That that was all. Oh, wow. That wasn't special effects. That was I think it took them like a hundred odd takes. But um, so that scene where everything kind of falls on top of each other that is legit. That is legitimately done properly so that's clever um and the whole thing too with the, the web like how does anybody not notice that somebody has like shot jizz web out of their wrists <laughs> and let's be honest we're all thinking it it does look like that um and you know it's just like i don't know there's a lot of that in this movie i feel of how does nobody not notice that um, but the fight is awesome. It's, it's, I love the slow-mo. Uh, you know, we get that spitball scene and the fly. Oh, um, let's talk about slow-mo for a second. Cause we just covered blast from the past. This is slow-mo done right. Yeah. Because <laughs> when flash is coming towards them, Adam. You're not here, but, yeah, it's like, <laughs> like it's slow-mo yelling. Whereas most movies would be like, Peter! And meanwhile, he's still slow-mo. Yes, exactly. Um, but it, it's it's I I love that line. I'm la- glad you said it about help him, Harry. Which one? Um, <laughs> and then yeah, like you kind of you, like he's doing everything to avoid this fight. He's not getting involved in this fight. All he does is like punch him once, and then everyone's like, "Yo, you're such a freak, Peter." And yeah. then MJ's look on her face. I mean, that's kind of like the look of shock, disgust. That's MJ's, oh, damn, he's hot. I'm going to take him into the bathroom face, I swear. Because let's be <laughs> honest, she's had seven that morning already. Um, but, <laughs> wow, that's really <laughs> mean. But I don't care. She's terrible. <laughs> oh, oh, no, move on. All right, I better stop. Let's, let's move on. So he flees the school. And discovers all of his powers suddenly, where we get the cool scene of climbing up the wall, uh, running in between buildings. We get some really bad CGI here. You know, it's funny that when this movie came out, people were praising the effects. And by the time it came out on DVD, people were like, wow, that was rough. And I, they definitely did correct it in the future movies. But seeing him jumping through the buildings and some of the swinging stuff, it doesn't really work now. But it's still a fun scene, like just seeing how excited he is to have these powers. That's something that we don't usually get in superhero movies. And in reality, I mean, yes, there would be some of you as a 17-year-old boy that w- wakes up and you're like, geez, what's the stuff coming out of my wrists? <laughs> the, another part would be like, hey, I can climb on a wall. This is cool. And this is what you'd be doing. You'd skip school and you'd do this all day. And Of course, the best part here is him swinging where, where he can, before he gets the swinging, when he's trying to shoot the web shooters out <laughs> and he's like 
Go web. Fly. <laughs> up, up and away Shazam. web. Yeah, up and away web. <laughs> Shazam. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just such a fun moment. That probably is what got the biggest laugh when I saw this every Yo, single time. I remember that. Too. Uh, it, it's just, this is what a kid would be like having powers. And it's more fun than just, I'm going to go skateboarding, you know? <laughs> and I'm going to be a huge defender of the Amazing Spider-Man movies when we get to them. But yeah, I keep saying, like, especially for origin stuff here, they did it better. Um yeah, he, he misses his painting date with Uncle Ben, mm -hmm. and he goes to take out the trash, and we get the single longest flirting scene in the history of movies. <laughs> I swear this went for like 26 minutes or something. The only time she's ever spoken to him in 11 years, apparently. But it's just, this is the one complaint I will have. I say I like the chemistry between these two. I like the way they write them. This scene runs way too long. It is so soap opera. It's just the most awkward flirting ever. It's like, you're taller than you look. And he's like, you're more clothed than you are in the morning through your window. <laughs> uh, you know, he all away from rubbing his shoulder and going, I don't like sand. It's coarse. And it's coarse. It goes everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the scene does run a little bit long. Um, I want to talk really quickly about the organic web shooters here. You know, People are upset because in the comic books, he made his own contraptions that shot webs and everything. And here in the the movie, they're organic. Well, in a way, I understand it. I mean, do you want to go through an entire scene of him building this before you get to see him be Spider-Man? You want a big reveal of him having these powers. You want to see all the powers right away. On top of that, how do you illustrate that the spider is what caused this, that he is a Spider-Man if all he could do is cr climb on walls? You know, you need something to illustrate while well, he's becoming a spider, and that makes a little bit of sense. It's more than anything, I just think people getting upset about organic versus, you know, contraption web shooters, it's just people nitpicking. It doesn't matter. Ultimately, you're never seeing it in more than one or two shots. It's just how it's introduced in the movie. And the reason it's introduced is so you could see all of his powers right away. And look, I'm going to be honest with you. And this kind of goes back to what I said about how I, I guess I didn't really grow up with comic books. And kind of a lot of these movies were my first introduction to kind of these characters. I didn't actually realize that this was the one that did it wrong. I When I saw The Amazing Spider-Man, I'm like, hang on a minute. Why is he making it? Like, shouldn't he be coming out of his yeah. wrists? Like, <laughs> to me, that was the bit that was weird. Um, and I, I'm like, it, to me, it does make more sense that this would be organic because it's like, that's a thing that spiders have over other creatures, you know? And I guess, I mean, it, he would be shooting it in reality out of a different part of his body. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's why he needs a bigger penis. Um, but like, <laughs> not quite then, but, um, yeah, I mean, it just, cause he, you're right. Like, I mean, we get that, I guess, in the amazing Spider-Man about like, oh, you know, I'm going to make this and kind of. If, if that is so easily makeable, organic web, why does it take somebody to get bitten by a genetically modified spider to make it? Like, if any yeah. kid in high school can make it, just make it. Like, that's cool. Like, you know, <laughs> sp swinging around on, on spider webs. Like, that just should be a thing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind them doing the, the web shooters later on. But to, to me, it's just what I ultimately my opinion is, is that I don't care one way or the other. It's just about a power. It's it's one shot to show how he does this later on. Because it's interesting, sort of like, again, you, you're more into the, the sort of the backstories in the comic books and that. But it's like, it's interesting when you see him like go through these like fight sequences and he's like literally getting smashed through brick walls and all this sort of stuff. It's like, 
you're not Superman. Like, you're kind of, you're not invincible. Like, this should be injuring you. Um, and, yeah. like, it's kind of spider sense and, you know, crawling up walls. Like, I didn't realise spiders were impervious to pain. And kind of, you know, there's super strength involved in spiders. Um, well, I hate we spiders, saw that by the, the way. <laughs> we did. True. Uh, you know, again, I wasn't reading the screen. I was too busy, like the the geeky, douchey teacher or something like that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, look, you've covered most. But I, I I love the scene when he's like, you know, up up and away, web. Like it's just so funny. <laughs> but this is one of those scenes where it's like, how does nobody not notice a kid on top of a building in New York? There's usually people on the ground going, jump and jump and call the police. And then all of a sudden he's like swinging and nobody notices this in New York City. Okay, fair enough. Well, let, let's be honest. Is New York City one of those cities where stuff like this happens and you're just like, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. but again, I mean, you've is, been there. Well, I, I have. But like, I mean, I haven't seen a kid jump off a roof with webs out of his wrist. So. <laughs> um, I mean, this is also post 9-11 New York, you know, and not that long after 9-11. So people are a little bit more kind of you know, on edge. So, like, if there's a kid on a roof swinging, I'm sure they're calling the police thinking he's a terrorist at this point in time. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, stop reading too much and Ben nitpicking. Um, yeah, th- I have nothing really to add in the, the fight scene. I mean, again, MJ's kind of normal at this point, but, again, it's, you know, flirting with him and then Flash rocks up. Why? Flash has just been oh. bashed by this guy. Why is he I just... Think- you go. Oh, you want me to? What's oh, going on here? Say, you. I feel like you need to say this. Go. <laughs> no, I just missed something here. This goes back to what I was saying earlier about Harry saying, I'm not going to pull up in front of public school kids with a flashy car. Flash comes up with like this, take a look at my new birthday present. <laughs> Apparently, other kids in the school have a lot of money. Why is Harry so upset about this? And like Flash got this as a birthday present. Harry's just you know being dropped off by his dad's car. Why is Harry so uptight about money? Other kids in the school clearly have money. And and also, we get that lined up with from Flash where it's like, oh, what are you going to do? Oh, his daddy's going to fire your daddy or something like that. Yeah. He's kind of almost mocking <laughs> him for being rich. Again, exactly. And, and also... Flash is just as rich. Yeah, exactly. And and if this is Flash's birthday, why isn't MJ out celebrating with her boyfriend? Yeah, exactly. What are you <laughs> doing, you stupid woman? Like, he's the love of your life. At least the first of a 17 in this movie. So, like, why are you not with him? And then when he pulls up, he has no, like, nothing to say about this guy who punched him earlier in the day and basically is now flirting for four hours with his girlfriend, but he's cool with it because, check out my ride, babe, don't scratch the leather seats. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, I... If they had not had her have a boyfriend here, I think the flirting scene works more. But when you actually watch this enough times, you're like, she's flirting with this guy who just beat up her boyfriend. And then seconds later, like, ah, let me get in your car. Woo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, I said, I, I like her in this movie. I like the scenes she has with Peter Parker. I just don't think that they put a lot of thought into how they wrote her character. Um, yeah, and it's we're... a recurring theme, people. It's a recurring... Yeah. Like, don't think it's a one-off. <laughs> the second and the third. <laughs> I think it gets worse. I think it gets worse. It definitely gets worse, yeah. Uh, what we're going to cover next is a huge chunk of the movie, but it kind of has to be all grouped together. This is basically the the Spider-Man scene. You know, the Spider-Man getting his powers is one part, but this is the other part. You know, how he becomes Spider-Man, and it's the same story over and over again, just little variations. Uh, I know in the comics, I think there was the wrestling scene he has, but there's also, you know, something about him going on TV and on a talk show and they wouldn't pay him and everything. 
so it's always the same thing where you know he realizes i want to do this for money which is what a 17 year old would do like seriously ben if you wake up and you have these powers are you thinking to yourself how am i going to do this to save people's lives or are you thinking I can make a fortune with this. <laughs> that's well, you know what, you know what I'm making a fortune of? My massive penis. Like, that's the first thing. And also going and getting laid. I'm 17. <laughs> I'm a teenage boy. But- I'm a nerd. A woman's never touched me. I now have a giant penis. I'm using that, then getting money. But you know what? There's one thing that's going to be even more impressive than that, and that's an Alfa Romero, which is <laughs> what he's going for here. How is that car only like $2,900 for a convertible? Like, if that's how cheap cars are in New York, I'm moving there. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, he basically wants a car, and he figures out a way to get money, and then we get this great little scene with him, you know, testing out how to use his powers, and... The, the very awkward scene where he's breaking lamps and everything, and Aunt May is like, what are you doing there? I'm just exercising, but I'm not dressed. Like, okay, Peter. <laughs> You're actually so You're strange. Boy, and you say, I'm exercising and I'm not dressed. That means something else. Again, he's a Aunt 17-year-old May- boy. <laughs> Aunt May is too dumb to pick up on this. With a window he's- in the room to the girl he's in love with. Yeah, exactly. I can see through that window, Peter. I know what you're doing. Put your clothes on. <laughs> but those things around his room that are stuck to the walls, they're not webs in that scene. <laughs> There's just so much wrong with the scene now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're definitely but, not webs. This is the one time when it's... <laughs> this leads to the amazing scene with Uncle Ben, which I swear, if you could give an Academy Award to somebody in a cheesy comic book movie, Cliff Robertson deserves it for this upcoming scene here in the car where he has the talk with Peter and, uh, you know, we get probably the single most famous line in comic book history, which comes all the way from the original issue that Stanley wrote with great power comes great responsibility. It's such an amazing scene. And, you know, following that, this is a lot of stuff, but you know, it's it's all tied together. We get the wrestling scene with the amazing Macho Man yes. Randy Savage, the real Oscar winner of this movie. <laughs> Bonesaw is ready. Oh yeah, I got you for three minutes. <laughs> three minutes of playtime. We just do the whole episode as the Macho Man. Yeah, <laughs> we just do that, Spider Man. Uh, <laughs> we also get a big cameo here. I don't know if you're familiar with this actress, but. The lady who tries to turn him away, saying this isn't a you know a, a light heavyweight division or whatever, that's Octavia Spencer, who will go on to be nominated for two Academy Awards I for the she help. Looked familiar. I really just, thought she yeah. looked familiar. Yeah, they, okay, that makes sense. There we go. Just this past year, nominated for a second Academy Award, I believe, for Hidden Figures, and it all started here. We're <laughs> laughing at Tobey Maguire in his pajamas. <laughs> As it should. Um, That's how all actors' careers should start. <laughs> the uh, I, I guess we'll stop before we get to the, the, the second half of this, but we'll cover the wrestling sequence here. <laughs> we got Bruce Campbell, another cameo here, Sam Raimi's favorite, as the introduction, one of his three roles that he has. I was going to say, he does play character. like two other roles in the other trilogy, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not imagining yeah. that. Okay, cool. Right. We'll see him as the usher in Spider-Man 2 and then the waiter that That's tries it. to help him propose in Spider-Man 3. But here he's the announcer, and he's like, uh, uh, you know, announcing, and he's like, what's your name, kid? The human spider. The human spider, that sucks. He's <laughs> like, the amazing Spider-Man. And, of course, what makes it even better is that Tobey Maguire refuses to go, he got my name wrong. Make him say it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And then, of course, this amazing fight with the Macho Man, which again, so over the top. It is, you, you, you'll you say the line, I forget it, who it is right now about the husband, but <laughs> you take it away, Ben. Uh, I just want to say my favorite bit of this whole sequence is probably, I, I was hoping you would pick up this because we always pick up the random bits, is when the cage is coming down and that one guy in the crowd is like, Cage! Cage! <laughs> yeah. So funny, <laughs> but I li- I like the little montage bit, like when he's there and he's like looking at the car, and you kind of see this little car going, and you see like a pretty little picture of Mary Jane and just all this sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, Peter, you don't need a car to get into Mary Jane's pants. You just need to have a penis, and then you're fine. You're in a pants. It's that simple. All right, that's how you it works. Say hello to her. That's yes. how it is. <laughs> you just need to be born as a man, and like everyone gets their turn. Just wait. Um, but God, that is so mean. I am so horrible. I didn't realize I was going to be this horrible, but I'm loving it. Um, but yeah, it's the the sequence. Just the the car, and you know, with great power comes great responsibility. I mean, I think what sums it up best is I don't know if you're a Weird Al Yankovic fan, but when he did the um the Spider Man song to uh, Piano Man by Billy Joel. And he says the line in there when he says, like, with great power comes great responsibilities, a line from old Uncle Ben, but don't worry, you'll hear it again and again and again. (laughs) 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 You know, great, Weird Al Yankovic, you know, fantastic. But um, it's kind of, this is, again, jumping all around the place when it comes to this versus The Amazing Spider-Man, but this is, again, I think it does it better than The Amazing Spider-Man, this whole sort of backstory behind the death behind Uncle Ben, um, because it's just... He's in it for a lot less than Martin Sheen is um, when it comes to it, Cliff Robertson. But I find it's more effective. You feel sadder for the death of Uncle Ben in in this movie than you do for Martin Sheen in The Amazing Spider-Man. Spoiler alert, he still dies in The Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> um, and I just think it's done better. I mean, it's kind of... We obviously know forward thinking when it comes to Spider-Man. I'm jumping ahead here, obviously, with the death, but... You know, it's kind of just, it's sad. Still sad, isn't it? When you watch this, you know, oh, Uncle Ben is going to die soon. <laughs> like, just don't be mean at him, Peter. The only time you kind of, in this entire movie, I feel like, fuck you, Peter. Stop being a douche to your uncle. Um, <laughs> He's the cool one. If this was Aunt May, that might be appropriate. But this yeah. is Uncle Ben. <laughs> exactly. I can imagine if this was the other way around and Aunt May dies. <laughs> you deserve it. You deserve it, Aunt May. <laughs> great power comes with great responsibility. What a stupid line. You're old. Shut up. <laughs> um, oh i do i do love like when i remember seeing this because it's kind of um you know i grew up with wrestling in the 90s and sort of you know haven't really followed it since but you know i knew macho man i remember seeing this is that macho man savage like that's randy macho man savage surely it is and obviously you know it was um but yeah it's just it's great to see him the line you're talking about what you doing up there? Staying away from you. That's a cute outfit. Did your husband give it to you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 2002, when it was still acceptable to make, um, you know, homosexual jokes. jokes. Haha, <laughs> 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 funny. I'm implying you're gay. That's funny. Um, <laughs> kind of dates this movie a little bit, that and Macy Gray, but we'll get to that. Um, oh. <laughs> my biggest thing about this, like, I don't want to knock this scene. I don't want to knock it at all because I love it so much. Like, again, as you said from Toby Maguire's, you got my name wrong! To, like, <laughs> <laughs> everything else. But the two things, again, Spider-Man becomes this huge cult hero in New York in this film. 
surely people in this in this stadium would be like, hey, I remember some kid dressed as like Spite. Like, was that him? Like, you know, in the origins, like, you know, the the journalist backstory when it comes later on to Jonah. Like, come on, man. Like, you're a shit journalist if you're not trying to get to the bottom of like who Spider Man is. We'll get to that. But it's like, let's let's burst a bubble here, Colin. Wrestling featuring Macho Man Savage is fake. Sorry, people, it's fake. <laughs> so. You're meant to survive three minutes in a ring. Now, we're seeing all this stuff that, you know, poor Peter Parker's doing to Macho Man. Again, where are the injuries here? He's in a cage. Like, there should be yeah. broken bones. Like, there's a reason why wrestling is fake, because people would be dead within a few minutes of these wrestling matches. <laughs> and, I mean, we get it with the, what, the flying Dutchman. Oh, my legs. I can't feel my legs. Yeah. Like, how do these people operate? Like, they're getting sued a lot. No wonder he only gives away $100 at the end because he's being sued all the time. <laughs> well, I want to point out another inaccuracy here, and that's transitioning into the next scene where the promoter refuses to pay him, <laughs> and he basically said, the ad said, three minutes, you pinned him in two. If you watch this, he doesn't pin him at all. Macho Man is down. Peter's on the other side of the ring, and the ref's just like, one, two, three, you're out! It's like, you counted him down. He's not pinning anybody. <laughs> exactly. So, if anything, it's rigged, clearly. Duh. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Peter can be... He has a lawsuit on his hands. The human spider <laughs> has a lawsuit on his hands. <laughs> yes. But the scene here, which, again, is told in every single version of Spider-Man, where there's a thief or a robber or something like that, and Spider-Man has the opportunity to stop him, and he doesn't. And that's what costs Uncle Ben his life. Uh, sorry, spoiler alert if you uh, <laughs> hadn't seen this yet. But I love that the the cop is like, what are you doing, kid? You let him go. This is a 17-year-old kid. This cop had never seen him before. And you have a guy coming at a 17-year-old kid with a gun. How many cops are going to be like, you stupid kid, you should have punched him or something. <laughs> No, like this kid is dead. If he, he Colin, the Colin, right I, I, I think I, I think we've discovered something here. You know where this cop was trained? Smallville. Uh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's a lot of Superman references in this. This was a Smallville. Reference Why didn't you stop him, kid? Why didn't you put your body and your life on the line? <laughs> Why didn't you your do my job, you little it? shit? <laughs> yeah, the uncle would have done it. Okay, but <laughs> Aunt May <laughs> would have done it. <laughs> Um, as we see, Uncle Ben is dead. And this is one thing I want to say that makes this so effective. They could have had Uncle Ben have a scene where he said anything to Peter. And all he says is as he's dying is just Peter. And that's why the previous scene works so well, if we're analyzing this a little bit. Yeah. is Because it is kind of tragic that Peter doesn't even get an opportunity to say I'm sorry to him. Mm -hmm. He's just sitting there dying. And he has to watch him die. It's so great. And then we get the chase scene of the human spider chasing down the guy and... It's it's a pretty effective scene when he's in the shadows and everything. This is kind of how you imagine a real Spider-Man would be where people would be scared of him and everything. And he shoves him out the window and he dies and he goes home and he tells Aunt May, sorry, your husband's dead, but hey, I got a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Dinner's on me tonight. We're, <laughs> <laughs> We're about to uh, jump ahead several months. So the sad death of Uncle Ben, it's all done very well here. And there's moments where this movie is so over the top like the wrestling scene. And then there's moments where it's so serious and dramatic and they both work so well. And I don't know how Sam Raimi is able to pull it off with balance here. Now, look, I'm just going to get my nitpicks out of the way because I want to talk about how amazing all this stuff is too because I feel like I'm nitpicking more than I'm saying that this is awesome. But, oh, it's the most perfect comic book movie and I'm like ripping shit into it. <laughs> um, yeah, why is this guy robbing this wrestling promoter? Like, 
surely there's better places to rob. <laughs> exactly. Um, and like the thing is, I guess, which again, jumping ahead to Spider-Man three, we know there's more to this than obviously is happening right now, which I guess we probably will pick apart more in number three than it will for now. Cause we just pretend that doesn't happen yet, which it hasn't. It's 2002. Um, yeah, you, the, the cop, like, you know, why didn't you stop him, kid? But you got it. You do have to love the whole, you know, obviously gives him the hundred dollars, you know, you know, I need that money, you know, tell me the part where that's my problem. And then, of course, you yeah, know, he that. gets the revenge of, you know, you could have stopped him. Tell me the part where that's my problem. It's like, yeah, fuck you. Drop Mike, you know, I'm, I'm Peter Parker. Mike <laughs> <laughs> <Like> drop. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, like, when he's walking down the street, like, look, again, I've been to New York. I haven't seen a murder, so I can't see if this is how it works. But, like, I watched Third Watch. It's a great show. Now available via the Oz Network. <laughs> When there's somebody shot, the cops aren't just saying, stand back, stand back, we're waiting for the paramedics. They're applying, like, pressure to his wound. They're, like, giving him CPR. They're at least trying to look useful, not like, get away from him, people, he's been shot, we don't want to hurt him more. Like, are these small... Is the NYPD in this film the Smallville PD? Because, like, there's a trend going on here that the cops are pretty useless. I mean, what did they do before Spider-Man came about? But, like, these police officers... People from the World Trade Center... Have some respect, Ben. Don't make 9-11 jokes, Colin. It's 2002. <laughs> when you're done with this, remind me about 9-11, because we do have to talk oh, about there that. Is, yeah, yeah, you're very right, actually. There is a, there's a key thing to do with 9-11 um, from this film. Um, but, like, they're all circled around him, and, you know, he's trying to get through. And, like, no, 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 stand back. He's my uncle. Okay, anyone could say that. <laughs> um, like, you know, Johnny come robber oh, could be like, yeah, he's my uncle. He looks like he's got okay, an expensive watch. I'm sorry. If I walk past a dead body on the street, I'm not going to be like, hey, it's my uncle, just so I can get a closer look. Well, there are sick people out there, Colin. <laughs> I, but again, why aren't these cops doing anything to help try and save him? Anyway, stop nitpicking it, Ben. Uh, the, the, you mentioned about the, the special effects kind of not sort of holding up. The, the only one that I get in this whole film, because I, I sort of noted down that I think the special effects really hold up. I think they still look fantastic. Um, but this sequence when he's crawling up the wall, um, yeah, that looks happens. very, you know, <laughs> Neo from Matrix Reloaded rubber face sequence. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's, it, that's noticeable. But yeah, I, I don't want to complain really. Um, well, there's one bit of this which I can complain and <laughs> nitpick about, but it's, it's, it's so well shot. And like, again, let's ignore the fact that no one's noticing some kid flying through New York, <laughs> chasing after Robert Y. He's, he's like trying to save the day. But just the sequence when he's in like that, the, what is it? Like a, an abandoned water shed or something. Um, like you're saying about how it's so well shot, like the shadows and the way you got that scene of him, like coming down on the web in the background, like really like a spider and just. Yeah, it's so well done and just the desperation and when he kind of, you know, realises that's just the guy that obviously just tried to, you know, well, did kill um, Ben. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's just so amazingly shot in the way it's all well done and everything along those lines. My, my biggest thing, though, is kind of uh, when it comes to, you know, the police obviously see him fall down and then they put the, uh, the lamp up onto the window and see, you know, Peter, this kid dressed in spider... Is is why is Spider Man not wanted for murder in this film? He just made a public appearance in front of thousands of people. <laughs> well, I mean, he's just 
he's just almost as the, the sole sort of person that might actually be the murderer of this guy kicking him off a thing. Yeah. So, like, if anything, like, later on in the film, when they're basically only going after him because, you know, the Daily Bugle says he's bad... Huh. Let's just point out now, the police in this film are really shit. The MIPD yeah. in the Spider-Man trilogy do not come across well. So, I, that was my one thing I've written here. Why is he not wanted for murder for the rest of the film? <laughs> um, I mean, after this we have what we're going to talk about here, the World Trade Center bit. And it's not me going to be taking a joke of the World Trade Center, but... Uh, if everybody remembers, or if anybody does remember the year prior to this, going and seeing anything in the theaters, you probably saw the teaser trailer for Spider-Man in the summer of 2001. It's still on, it's still on YouTube. And you can find it on YouTube. And I remember seeing it uh, both online and then in the theater. I think it was, uh, I'm trying to remember what movie, Final Fantasy, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, oh, Lord, there's a Final flash in the past. <laughs> yeah, which I remember going to because my sister was a huge Final Fantasy video game fan and I couldn't have cared less but I'm like I heard that the Spider-Man trailer is going to be there so I watched went to go see the Spider-Man trailer and stayed for Final Fantasy but uh, the original teaser trailer for this was a scene that was meant to be in the movie to play right here when right after the you know graduation and everything which we have uh, we'll talk about that in a second it, it was supposed to show his transformation into Spider-Man and it wasn't supposed to be a montage like we see here of all these people talking about him. It was supposed to just be that world trade center robbery scene. And of course that trailer came out, you know, July, 2001 within two months, the world trade center, you know, is attacked. What? Collapses. When? <laughs> Spoiler alert. If Shit, you're still that, watching that's news to me. Of July of 2001. Uh, Don't make but, 9-11 jokes, Ben. The trailer was pulled, it was never shown, they cut it from the movie, and it was only really in the last couple of years where you could find it on YouTube. I remember for years afterwards, but, ah, I w wish I could see that trailer again just to see what it was like and remember it. But that was meant to be the reveal, and instead we have this montage here. Which, the montage is fun, and in some ways I think it would work better than just that one scene. Yeah. But leading into that, we get the graduation scene where we get the breakup with Mary Jane and Flash, where he's just as cool as could be, where she's like, here's your ring back, and he's like, whatever, and just walks away. <laughs> I love Flash. I want a Flash movie. Um, well, we are in the DC also... comic universe, but it's a different character. Haha, um, <laughs> bad yeah. joke, Ben, shut up. And we also have a little bit of Norman going crazy, which I did find it was funny that the front page story is Oscorp to lose military contract. Aren't they working on top secret technology? How is this front page story? And, Oscorp to lose top secret contract. And again, let's get the journalism insight into this from Ben Waterworth. Why is there an exclamation mark on that front cover, people? Like, are you <laughs> shouting at your readers? Like, this is a common theme with the Daily Bugle. Like, tabloid central. You don't use exclamation marks in headlines, let alone on the front page. <laughs> I just want to see the obituary for Uncle Ben. <laughs> it's all in caps or something Murdered! like that. Oh, my God, man. Murder. I mean, look, let's be spider. honest. How does the Daily Killer. Bugle's headline for 9-11 happen? You know, like, <laughs> towers collapse. <laughs> Human spider caught inside at the time. <laughs> Footage never be released. <laughs> but, I mean, we basically get the boohoo scene where he's like, I miss Uncle Ben and everything. And <laughs> 
he takes out his old pajamas and his old drawings. And apparently there is a deleted scene, which I've never seen the deleted scene. I'd like to. A deleted scene where we find out how his costume gets made, which most people are like, well, that's the biggest plot hole of the movie. How does he get the costume? Where he actually does use, you know, whatever money he had to have this costume professionally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a $100 professional superhero costume. Um but we get this fun sequence where everybody around town's talking about him. We, again, we get exactly what Spider-Man's got. People saying, yeah, he's awesome. And then we have other people saying, like, I don't like him. He stinks. <laughs> um, and then the guy's singing about him in the subway. <laughs> that is Chad uh, Kroger. I'm telling you now, that is Chad Kroger, lead singer of Nickelback there, people. <laughs> Dresses like a spider. And he looks like, uh, give we should all hug. give one big hug. <laughs> I want the when's the um the Asian lady singing Spider Man? That's in number two, isn't it? That that's my uh, favorite yeah, Basker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but Norman kills everybody from Quest that was in here too. There's a lot of stuff happening. There's uh <laughs> so, the main- so nonchalant. Oh, he just kills everyone, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh the main thing I want to talk about here is the introduction to future Academy Award winner JK Simmons oh. <laughs> as J. Jonah Jameson. I'm going to put this out there. Christopher Reeve's Superman, amazing, can't be topped. Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, can't be topped. Maybe the most perfect casting in comic book movie history is J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. Nobody can play this character as well. And nobody played a character so close to the comic books the way he did. Every single line he has here. Is you could put it on a poster where they're like, we have a page six problem. We have a page six problem. Shut up. He's awesome. And it's like, uh, uh, it's the same character you see in the comic book too, where he just has this irrational hatred for Spider-Man. It's all introduced right away. But of course, he knows he can sell papers off of it. So let's do it. J. Jonah Jameson is the star of this entire trilogy. And if there's one character that I wish they had found a way to bring back, you know, the way that Judy Dench was able to come back, even though it's a completely different series and a prequel, if you want to call it that, I wish they had found a way to bring J.K. Uh, J. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson back in The Amazing Spider-Man. And I was just thinking that. I was literally just thinking to myself, that's what The Amazing Spider-Man, the, the two of them were missing. You know, there was... I mean, we get what an email, don't we, from um, yeah. from J. Jonah Jameson at one point. But um, I'll get to him in a minute. I, that's a, I mean, I, I wasn't going like, ooh, when, you know, you said perfect cut, because I agree with that. Like, I don't disagree with that. I was just trying to think of somebody else to kind of put in there with, like, you know, Christopher Reeve. Wolverine, you know, I'm probably going to put up there Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor, but I'm probably alone in there. Um, I, I love Kevin Spacey. What can I say? Um, but <laughs> it's yeah, I like it's. It's interesting to think of how this would work with that whole trade center scene um, because I mean, it looks it looks amazing for a trailer. Basically, like I'm sure they would have ironed it out a little bit for the for the movie. Um, but, I mean, it would have definitely worked. But I like this montage. Like, I like kind of the the whole drawing of the suit and all that sort of stuff. And it's interesting kind of how you say, like, people say that's the biggest plot hole. Like, I'm here nitpicking at everything. But even I'm kind of just like, well, look, you know, fair enough. How does he get that suit made? But, yeah, there's, I mean, that's a, that's a superhero thing, surely, in all superhero movies when they've got costumes. I mean, it's just implied, right? Like... <laughs> They're superheroes, people, all right? Come on, these aren't 100% realistic, sort of. Um, sort of? That's not even a thing. They're not realistic. Unless you can catch a food tray in midair, which apparently is 100% realistic, <laughs> now we know. Uh, and just, just quickly on the the whole, you know, Norman murders everyone at Quest. Like, why did the military want 
quest, that suit looks heavier and bigger and, like, it would be shitter in combat. I- I'd rather the glider. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I just... mean, your person's protected a little more, but... How Still, slow is I mean, that? He slow. gets blown up by Green Goblin in two seconds. Like, what is? Yeah. What, what are they thinking? No wonder they get blown up. They're as dumb as MJ. <laughs> stupid people. Um, and and me. <laughs> and Aunt May. There we go. We've got our trio of dum-dums. And the NYPD. Um, but the, the graduation... God, I'm glad you... I, I'm surprised you gelled over the uh, the constant bonding between Peter and Norman. You know, this father-son yeah. relationship. <laughs> Just keeps building and building. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not taking away from Willem Dafoe and Tobey Maguire, but whenever they are on screen, they're great. But I think it kind of works more so when they're, you know, in their costumes. But um, <laughs> Jay breaking up. Oh, God, here we go, people. Um, by the end of this trilogy, I think we really need to come up with a tally of how many men MJ breaks up with, falls in love with. <laughs> yes. Flirts with because you know we've got four. Let's be honest, we've got four in this movie. We have Flash, we have Peter, we have Harry, and Spider Man. Yes, I'm making Spider Man a separate person because she's in love with him as Spider Man, not as she believes he's a separate person. Yeah, exactly. So there are four people in this movie that MJ essentially is in love with. Can we go even further and count how many times? Not even people. How many times she flirts with somebody while dating somebody else? Because we I'm, got about six times just with Peter in this. I'm with sure two the, separate boyfriends. The um the fat guy at the diner who's yelling at her. I'm sure she probably had a go at him at some point. Like you know, I mean, come on. Well, not to mention Mr. Jelly Donut on the bus. <laughs> exactly. Why do you think that jam was going all over his shirt? That wasn't jam, people. Again, like let's see, see what it is. But I mean, you've also got to kind of be like sort of dick harry you know like he's making a move on his girl yeah. on his on his friend's girl like come on has he not seen how i met your mother barney simpson the bro code there's lots of bro code violations in there harry you just don't do it but again it's mj again everyone has a turn you know it was a wednesday she'd only had 17 <laughs> at that point so you know she was a bit lonely um yeah, and I love the I love the montage with all the singing. Like my favourite is you know our favourite NYPD uh, officer in this film. He's some kind of freaky Lou or something wackadoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just so, it's so good. That was going to be my opening line, but I couldn't go past <laughs> what I went for. Uh, but look, J.K. Simmons. Oh, he's so good. I love like. Yeah. I'm not doing this just simply to mention Third Watch because he was. It's funny we're doing Third Watch and Nip Tuck currently at the moment, but he's actually J.K. Simmons is in both shows. Like in no word of a lie, he's in uh, an episode of Third Watch, then he's in an episode of Nip Tuck, and this is true. This kind of sounds mean to laugh at this because the way he's doing it, he plays an author who gets breast implants so he can write a book. <laughs> about what it feels like to have breasts because his wife had to get them removed because she had breast cancer. So there's, like, a scene in <laughs> Nip Tuck where he's, like, talking about getting a bra and all this sort of stuff because he's got breast implants. <laughs> but, look, again, having worked at a newspaper, I'm going to give you insight into journalists and all that sort of stuff. Like, well, my, edit- <laughs> my editor was not quite like uh, Joe Jane Jameson. I wish he was. Because <laughs> that would have made it fun, um, but I just love kind of just the, the urgency of all this sort of stuff. Like, is this happening at deadline? Like, if this is like three o'clock in the afternoon, I realise New York's probably a bit busier in the news cycle than Hobart. But 
Oh, it's just, I, I, it's, this is where it kind of works as a comic book. Because again, if I'm analysing this, it's like, well, why are you automatically painting him as a bad guy? Like, wouldn't you have your journalists investigating him? If this is Clark Kent, you know, <laughs> and Batman versus Superman, he'd be flying to Washington to, like, talk to people about all this sort of stuff. But again, it's just it just makes it fun. And yeah, you're right. Everything he says is just so good. And just the over-the-topness of it. Like, when he's like, he wants to be famous, I'll make him infamous. Like how he, you know, he does the suspenders oh. and, like, has the cigar. <laughs> in his mouth and looks off into the distance like oh it's so good like this guy is an academy award winner now and there's a reason for that because he is awesome and we should say he is only a few months away from debuting as the new commissioner gordon in justice league like how cool is that that he's gonna be commissioner gordon I, look, again, I, I'm clearly a huge fan of DC because I didn't even know that either. So, like, <laughs> everyone's crossing over from Spider-Man to DC. They're, they're taking the right path, clearly. But um, there you go. Gary Oldman and J.K. Simmons have something in common, which makes them awesome. And then also, um, what's his name from the OC? Uh, ben McKenzie, who plays him in Gotham. But yeah. that's different. <laughs> they're all interchangeable, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, of course. You get <laughs> Ryan from stuff. the OC often confuses Gary Oldman. <laughs> Uh, next set of scenes here. We have Mary Jane the waitress. We see how successful she's become since leaving high school and leaving Flash. Uh, she should have stuck with Flash. At least she'd be riding in a cool car. <laughs> Instead, riding she works else. as a waitress. And she is also skimming money from the till. So she's a thief, too. <laughs> Just one of the many things for Ben to hate about Mary Jane Watson. <laughs> and she's about to flirt heavily with her boyfriend's best friend here. <laughs> Who, again, we know for a fact she has not seen him since high school. Probably since that day that they talked out by the garbage cans. <laughs> because otherwise, since she hooked up with Harry the day, you know, that they graduated, if she ran to him once, she would have mentioned it. So here we know, oh, this very close relationship they have where they're in love with each other. They never see each other. It's established here. But anyways, off the rant, um... <laughs> the flirting here this is again great i love the flirting between these two despite the fact that it makes her <laughs> a really terrible person but the line that he has about uh let's get some lunch some evening <laughs> yes. is that if meant to be to is her, that like meant to be a geeky thing or is that kind of just a mistake i, I don't know it's i i i'm gonna say the same thing i said if you listen to our smallville random episode recaps really awkward tom welling is the exact same thing as really awkward Tobey Maguire. And this is what's missing from comic movies. The superhero should never be cool and confident outside of being a superhero. And they should be saying stupid things in front of girls. <laughs> Let's get some lunch some evening. <laughs> it's just amazing. Uh, and of course he goes home and now he knows that Harry's been dating his uh, peeping Tom fantasy from <laughs> 11 years <laughs> next door neighbor. <laughs> And uh, Harry doesn't realize it yet, but he's moping when he comes in the house. And here's Norman, who's like, hey, Peter, haven't seen you since graduation. He's my second son. <laughs> yes, yeah, 60 seconds we've communicated <laughs> in the last six months. <laughs> but I love you, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter, of course, was fired. And here's the first of uh, many references to the villain we never got, where he says, Dr. Connors fired me, who later appears as Dr. Kirk Connors in Spider-Man 2 and 3, who, of course, was supposed to go on to become the Lizard in Spider-Man 4, but never happened because they ended up having to recast it. We sort of uh, got it in kind of Spider-Man, if it's technically Spider-Man 4. I mean, sort of. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> as far as, like, the Tobey Maguire series, they were establishing yeah. right here at the beginning Dr. Kirk Connors. He was going to be connected to Maguire. That would have made for a great villain if they ever got around to doing it. They missed the boat. They made it the Sandman instead. Thanks a lot. 
<laughs> we'll get on Spider-Man 3 eventually. Um, yeah, so he needs a new job. He's thinking about photography <laughs> because Norman, the smile on Willem Dafoe's face, if I could have had a perfect profile <laughs> picture, would have been the smile on his face. Peter needs a job. It's like, he's like, yay! <laughs> <laughs> I get to work with my second son! <laughs> so ridiculous. Only Willem Dafoe can do that. Um, so he takes some pictures of Spider-Man and he goes to sell it to J. Jonah James and we get... <laughs> Jason Jameson being the greatest character we've ever seen in superhero movies. The crap, crap, <laughs> crap, make a crap. I'll give you two hundred bucks roll. <laughs> he just gets up to walk out. It's like sit down. <laughs> All right, three hundred. <laughs> um, more of Jay Jonah being terrible to Spider-Man here, which really does make sense. I mean, he is the innovator of fake news, is what we discover here <laughs> in New York City. He's the Donald Trump of um, yeah. And my other big disappointment that we uh, uh, get introduced to here is Betty Brandt, a really fun character they did a good job with, with probably about three minutes in every single movie. There was a much more major character in the comics, a way bigger character in the anime series. I remember growing up as a kid, I had no idea who Mary Jane was until probably the 90s when the oh, 90s Spider-Man like came out. That sounds like a good thing. What? Well, not, not knowing, knowing who, who she okay, is. I, guess, I mean, yeah. God, I wish hey, I knew that. <laughs> but, like, the animated series, the old classic, you know, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man one, it was Betty Brant who was the, uh, the, the main female character because she's the one that worked with Peter. So I always kind of want to see her become a major character. And she has a nice flirty scene here with Peter as she has in every single movie. But they never really do anything with her. Still kind of fun that they have her in this, uh, these little characters from the comic books. Um, so there we go. Peter finds Mary Jane again for the first time in six months. Finds Norman for the first time in six months. They're both in love with him, but both should be in love with Harry instead. And J. Jonah's still the best. We should all be in love with Jay Jonah. Um, <laughs> I like it when MJ where he sends him a box of meat. Christmas meat. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Charles, you know what a job meat. Nice box of Christmas meat. <laughs> ben never got meat in his job. I know, right? That's where it's so unrealistic. <laughs> your, your editor never gives you meat. Um, but in all, in all seriousness, I barely talk to the editor because it kind of, you know, you generally talk to sort of people in your department or area and there's, there's a head of news who kind of you go to. The editor sort of is just there and only really the bosses talk to him and he'll only talk to you if there's like a big problem or something like that. I mean, he doesn't ignore <laughs> you, but I mean, it's kind of, it's, you don't deal with him all the time. And th- I guess these aren't journalists dealing with him, so I guess maybe that's realistic, but... Um, Only freelance photographers. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love it when MJ's walking out of the diner and, like, you know, he comes bestie Peter, and she's like, buzz off! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's just had a 17th guy for the day. Like, you know, she's sore. She needs to go, like, rub some lotion on herself or something like that. Um, but... I've written here she flashes Peter. Like, somebody needs to edit that scene when she opens up a trench coat and has got nothing under yeah. it. That's how she just picks up guys, clearly. That's but, coming in the rain later on. <laughs> but it's, it, it is interesting, isn't it, to think that, like, I mean, she's with Harry. At, at what point do we ever get an inkling that she actually likes Harry? Because clearly, yeah. like, we just get it through this whole film that she just doesn't like him. It's not to the third one until they're romantically chopping up vegetables that I feel that, you know, there's any oh, sort of oh, love sequence. <laughs> I can't wait till we get to number three. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's just, it's interesting. Um, but, yeah, I love I love the, um, the, the crap, crap, 
crap. He's a crap. Crap. Big crap. <laughs> I'd like a job, sir. <laughs> the meat sequence. And I do like the sequence, though, when he, he goes out to um to the desk, when he goes to Betty Brandt. It's like, hi, I'm Peter. He's like, welcome to the Daily Planet. I'm a photographer. Yes, da- I can daily- see that. <laughs> <laughs> you do mean the Daily Bugle, right? Oh, the, whatever. You know, the Daily... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of Superman, clearly. Um, but, yeah, I don't really have anything to add and kind of, you know, Dick Harry, you know, not telling, you know, breaking the bro code. But, um, oh, I just, I love the uh, the sequences between, yeah, the long lost son that Norman never had. Oh. Um, with uh, this next sequence here, this is probably my favorite part of the movie, but the part I have almost no notes on because it's just like the biggest action scene. This is really the first, showdown we ever get between spider-man and a villain but before that we get norman's big reveal as the green goblin uh where um uh no no we already had that one never mind <laughs> <laughs> i i back i i put my notes backwards here let's get back on track uh we do get the the world unity festival or whatever coming up here uh which is the big action scene in the movie or i guess one of the two big ones they have along with the climax and I have no idea what the World Unity Festival is, but I know if Macy Gray's there, it's going to be a good time. <laughs> that is the Why first time that like... sentence has ever been uttered in human history. <laughs> Why do I know Ben's going to have a couple of shots here at Macy Gray? <laughs> because it's because Macy it's... Gray! <laughs> it's Madonna, how about that? <laughs> oh, you, if you were... Comp- like, look, 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 no. No, I'm, I'm not standing for this crap. Comparing Macy Gray and Madonna is like comparing Willem Dafoe to whoever played the evil villain in some child fair play that you went to the other week with Casper. Like, get out of here. I would rather Macy Gray over Madonna any day of the oh, week. Take that, that, that is anyway. the worst <laughs> thing you have ever said. That is the that is offensive. That That is racist, Colin, against me. I don't even know how that is possible. But that is racist against me. Um, but, but there's more than just Macy Gray in this scene. Uh, yeah, since Norman's been fired... Uh, we have the the balcony. I mean, nobody told his son, sorry, your dad's been fired. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't bring your girlfriend here. But uh, Peter sees them up there when he's spying on her with the camera, and they see him, and so now Harry knows. I've been lying to him the whole time. I'm the world's worst friend, and she's like, I've been flirting with that guy every chance I get. I'm the world's worst girlfriend. Not to mention that little guy in the wheelchair over there. I was flirting with him too. <laughs> See all the board over there. Flirt- I just had them for lunch. Like um... <laughs> I was flirting with Macy Gray five minutes ago, back in the green room. <laughs> but I mean, this is. I'm gonna say hands down. This is my favorite sequence in the entire movie. This uh, Unity Parade Festival or whatever. It's so comic book and it's something we hadn't seen before because really if you go back to x-men x-men had a lot of small action scenes and i think the climax of x-men one was a lot of small action scenes pieced together but this is just like a big five minute long sequence where the green goblin comes in it just again the way that sam raimi dwells on certain things and have these long pauses like when the spider bites peter and later on when he's hiding in his room on thanksgiving the slow reveal of the green goblin coming in and just everybody looking what's that and how the music builds the danny elfman's music is just fantastic uh ben's like it's great because it's drowning out macy gray <laughs> <laughs> and it's the laugh we get to hear the green goblin laugh over and over again in here and it's just it's everything you want to see it's the green goblin murdering people and 
balconies collapsing and children being dumbfounded and just standing there like idiots, slack-jawed idiots, as an entire balloon is about to crash. It really, it's funny, they could have done that a little bit better because it just looks like a balloon's about to collapse on the kid, but still, <laughs> Spider-Man saves him. You know, we get the fight scene where he shoots him with the, the web and he has the over-the-top, you know, I surrender and all that. And, of course, it all ends in my favorite thing ever, which you cannot get more comic book and more cartoony than the Green Goblin flying away going, we'll meet again, Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see him waving his fists in the air. This sequence is so good. Uh, it, it holds up. Everything about it still holds up today. And in a way, I wish that comic book movies would be a little bit more like this. Just a nice showdown between the villains that actually lasts a little while. Yeah, I love it. And this is kind of like, I guess, my point when it comes to like this being like a comic book and kind of, you know, again, not taking away from all comic books now today. It's not like I hate comic books now, how they've become serious and that, but you would never get a scene like this in a comic book movie today of, you know, we'll meet again, Spider-Man! Like, it's just... Ugh. I thought you were going to say Did something. you have anything else to add on? No, 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 I do. I thought you were just about to say something there. That was awkward. Um... <laughs> edit point um <laughs> but yeah i i'm i i, I love I, i'm surprised you i guess you kind of you're jumping through a lot of stuff here but kind of just gelled over the the board scene there with willem dafoe just i think it's kind of it's interesting how you know going back to what i said about how i just you feel for norman in this movie it's kind of like i guess that's kind of a trending theme though with all the villains in the spider-man trilogies you do feel sorry for them kind of why they are villainous in a way. And, and I guess one thing too, I, I noticed in sort of watching these all back to back recently was that none of the villains in at least the San Raimi trilogy really have a, a, like a massive scheme that will hurt a lot of people. If you know what I mean? Like they're kind of just yeah. in it for their own self purpose. And it's mm-hmm. kind of not, Hey, let's destroy New York or let's take out the electricity of the city or let's, you know, turn everyone into a lizard. Um, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> it really sounds bad when you say it like that. Um, but it's, it's kind of, it's interesting how it's sort of, you think about a superhero movie and about how, you know, they've got some huge scheme to take over the world. Let's build a whole new continent off the coast of America or something like that. But like, this is just Green Goblin's angry at Oscorp essentially. And is pissed off that Spider-Man doesn't want to be his friend because it's this father-son relationship that Norman clearly gets into evil form. There it is. That's what this whole movie is. It's just, you don't want to be my son anymore. Um, Does he, here's a question. Does he know that Harry is on that balcony? Well, that's what I was going to say that because it's kind of like, well, clearly if he did, is he still that evil that he's willing to take out his own son? Because, yeah, it's it's interesting how that just, it just it's a blasé sequence. Like, oh, it's okay. Your son's just there. May <laughs> die in the aspect of you killing all these bored people, but cool. Um, I, I love in the bored sequence, though, when he's like, you know, you know how much I sacrificed? And just, like, gets all angry. Oh, yeah. And then dick guy drinking the tea, you're out, Norman. And then he was just like, out, am I? <laughs> am I? Like, I love how he does. Like, he's he's that real spiteful type of person who remembers something so minor, you know, from, you know, back to formula to out, am I? <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a really bad impersonation. Um, but, yeah, this Unity sequence. We get a giant inflatable kangaroo. Weird reference to Australia. Um, Did we get I, a koala bear? It's not a bear, Colin. It's a koala. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're really hurting my feelings this episode, all right? Just 
You are racist against Australians. There it is. That's what it is. Um, but yeah, this whole world unity, like, I, I, don't, I don't actually think that's a thing. I think it's just a, hey, let's put this in a Spider-Man movie because I've never heard of that before. Um, look, my issue with Macy Gray, Colin Hilding, is, like, let's go back to the wonderful year that was 2002 when Macy Gray looked like she would be the next thing, okay? Like, she was very... Madonna, you mean? She was very successful (laughs) at the time. You know, she had that song, I try and get it. I don't know. She sounds like she's always smoking (laughs) cigarettes, basically. Did you say I try to get it on? (laughs) I don't know what the fuck she says. You know, I try to get away and I snuck. Like, that's literally how she sounds. Um... And so I, I'm sure at the time they're all like, hey, let's get the biggest pop star, you know, at the time who's relevant and he's about to become a big thing. Clearly Madonna was busy with Die Another Day, so they had to go for the oh. next best option, which was fucking Macy Gray. Let's just quickly go over how her career has gone since 2002, shall we? <laughs> uh, released an album in 2003, charted at number 17 after her last one went to number one. Okay. Next album, 2007, went to number 62. Bit of a drop. 2010 went to 128, and every album she has released, like four albums since, none of them have even charted because no one gives a shit about Macy Gray anymore, okay? Because she's irrelevant. Madonna still goes into the top one and two because she's awesome. Fuck you, Colin Hilding. Uh, <laughs> you really know how to hurt a man. But- Madonna has never been in a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> She's been in a James Bond movie. What would you rather be in? Ooh. She won a Razzie for a James Bond movie. Doesn't matter. She's still been in one and you haven't sucked in. <laughs> uh, Why are we going against each other here? Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I agree with everything that you say. It's great. I love the whole, I surrender bit. And the way like oh. Spider-Man's like, uh-oh. But I always I always laugh at the bit when he's running um, you know, through the crowd and he rips open his shirt for the Spider-Man logo. I just want them to do an edit where he rips it open and there's an S. And he's like, oh shit, wrong one. And then just like... <laughs> Well, I want to talk about that really quickly because there are a lot of Superman references in here. You know, for a Mar- there's some you never see nowadays. But I-, I mean, I remember when other comic movies started to come out, like Daredevil and Punisher, and they started to say, "Well, clearly they've used up their big name ones like Spider Man and the Hulk and everything." But I think one of the reasons they did that so much is because at the time of doing this, Superman was really the only superhero movie that really clicked with audiences. So there was a lot of nervousness. Well, are people just going to be like, well, Spider-Man's no Superman, you know? Because they're constantly making Superman references. We have one coming up later on. It's like, you're not Superman, you know? The the up, up, and away, um, the ripping open the shirt, and even the scene on the end here where he drops MJ off, it's basically verbatim from the Superman Lois Lane helicopter scene in the first one where he's like, still be taking the subway as opposed to it's still the safest way to travel. Then she asks, who are you? You know who I am, you know? It's all identical to Superman. There's a lot of Superman references in this, and I don't know the reason if they wanted to do that to, you know, be kind of competitive with Superman, or if it's just like, well, we're better than Superman. I don't know what the reason is, but there's a lot of that. It's because Superman's clearly awesome, and everybody wants to be (laughs) Superman. Um, Just quickly also on Macy Gray, can we just point out that whenever she's in, like, TV shows and films, she always plays herself. Like, who the fuck are you, Macy Gray? At least Madonna tries to act as different people. Who 
who else would you play? You want Macy Gray to play Mary Jane Watson? Who did <laughs> Probably, yes. Actually, no, I don't. Actually, no, no, no. No, I don't. But, like, does Madonna appear as Madonna and die another day? No. Well, maybe if Verity. she did, she wouldn't have won the Razzie for Worst Supporting Actress. <laughs> Anyway, um, the the things here that quickly, it's like the way, you know, as Spider-Man, Peter Parker, he sees MJ like falling down and the way he shouts out like, MJ, like, is that giving away something there, Peter? Like, how does Spider-Man know who that is? And why does he take her like to a roof and have all these, you know, quirky little one lines and that sort of stuff? But this is where MJ starts to become a pain in the fucking ass. Okay, people, because like, first of all, Harry's in love with her. Oh, how sweet. They're on a balcony. You know, he's a bit douchey with the whole, I told you to wear the black dress. Like, she's a woman, <laughs> Harry. She can wear what she wants, okay? Hashtag feminism. But like, Oh, here's Ben's feminist rant again. <laughs> it starts off well, but you know it's only going down here. I mean, I've basically implied she's a certain word, which I'm not going to use the word in this episode. <laughs> but um, Coming from feminist Waterworth here. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm one for the women. Colin, you know that. <laughs> but, like, she turns away and doesn't kiss him. And, like, that is that is really a signal there, Harry, that she's just not that into you, okay? So, like, you, I think Harry's just a bit of a dick that he really wants to hold one up over Peter because, what, Peter's cooler than him? I mean, whose dad's the billionaire who's, like, creating green suits everywhere and gets free apartments in the city, not Peter. So I don't know why all of a sudden you're trying to hold it. Anyway, but then, like, we get this balcony and, like, just this, like, she, like, I like Kirsten Dunst. I do. But her scream annoys me. And then we hear it so much in these movies. And here she is. Oh, help me, help me. Maybe it's just, maybe this is seriously like a weird feminist version of myself. That is something weird I've never said before. But like the whole damsel in distress kind of thing, you know. Because I mean, that's all she essentially turns out to be in these movies. Um, and I guess kind of here I am saying I like the Sam Raimi ones, I like Tobey Maguire and kind of defending it over The Amazing Spider-Man, but I think what The Amazing Spider-Man does better, and this is where I give Andrew Garfield the props over Tobey Maguire, and the only way I will do it, as Spider-Man, I think Andrew Garfield holds a slight edge with his, like, quirky, sarcastic little quips, whereas... You don't get a lot of that with Tobey Maguire, do you? Like, we we get a bit of it here with the whole, you know, beats the subway, you know, don't get up, you know, just dropping, you know, all those kind of little lines. But I feel they, they fade away, don't they? Like, it's kind of, you feel like they're good. Like, you know, oh, who made that? Your husband. Like, hey, it's great. Here we go. Quirky, homophobic um, Peter Parker. But like, it just, <laughs> it doesn't happen much in this trilogy after that. And that's where I will give it to Andrew Garfield because he has a lot more to, and maybe that's just the script writing because it's got more to work with. But, um... Yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm um, rambling. I mean, in all, in all fairness, I don't think I can picture Tobey Maguire pulling those off. Uh, I, I, I will say if I'm going to take sides here, I think I prefer Tobey Maguire as Peter Parker, and I definitely prefer Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, a lot I would of that be on that bandwagon too. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is the writing, like you said. You know, they, they do some good things here, but I think they're also going for more of a, uh, a classic Spider-Man. I mean, Sam Raimi has kind of many times been on the record as saying he's a fan of like the traditional 60s Spider-Man, which is one of the reasons why he pushed to have Sandman as a villain in the third one. He didn't want to use Venom. Uh, and I think that shows just a lot of like Spider-Man's attitude. But even if you go back to 60s Spider-Man, he'd still have these quips and everything with the villain. Yeah. yeah and, Andrew and, Garfield. And I think, I mean, it's look again. We shouldn't be talking about Andrew. I'm jumping ahead, but like I think what the thing about Tom McGuire's Spider-Man that I do like 
I mean, and again, maybe this is kind of contradicting myself because I agree with you with the whole Peter Parker thing. I guess Spider-Man isn't meant to be, I guess, buff and muscularly, but like he's more of his shape, his body shape is obviously a lot different to Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield's, you know, taller and lankier than, than Tobey Maguire is, and he looks more buff in that suit. So I guess maybe in these, you know, intense fight scenes, because we'll get to these, obviously, like it's a very violent ending, and you kind of believe that more with Tobey Maguire and the physical side of things. But I mean, I guess Spider-Man, from what I'm gathering from the comic books, isn't necessarily meant to be your tough superhero. He's kind of more quick-witted and nimble because he's a spider. Um, so, I mean, yeah, but it's it's um, it's just something that I feel kind of having watched all these really quickly with each other, that was the one thing I was like, wow, you know, and it's, it's an interesting point. Like, I, you probably can't imagine Tobey Maguire being Mr. Sarcastic. You know, if this was Brendan Fraser, hey, you know. Um, <laughs> Maybe. He can do anything. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> Brendan Fraser as Spider-Man. That kind of works in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think so, but okay. <laughs> I'm just I'm just overthinking it. Well, okay. Uh, I like this next set. Like, everything from this point on is pretty much perfect, I think. There's, there's very few flaws I'm going to have from now until the end of the movie. Uh, we have back at home where Harry's on the phone with Mary Jane and he's clearly jealous for the first time. Incredible. What do you mean he's incredible? And I, one of my favorite things, and James Franco plays this so well, future multi-time Academy Award nominee James Franco, everybody but Tom McGuire got nominated after this movie, where he's like, all right, uh, I'm going to take you for breakfast tomorrow, and then um, I'm going to buy you something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to make you feel better. Seriously. <laughs> but the thing is, the thing is that you notice with that is that MJ doesn't say no. <laughs> like, because, yeah. like, she's obviously saying all these other things on the phone and then basically hangs up. But if you actually pay attention to that, bitch MJ clearly is like, sure. <laughs> And then he's again like, what do you mean incredible? Now, is he saying that because he's just going back to what she said earlier? Or at that moment, she's like, all right, you can buy me something. But you know what? This guy's amazing. He's like, <laughs> yeah. well, what do you mean he's amazing? <laughs> and this is the thing. Like, maybe we should be, like, putting this more on the men in MJ's life. Why do they fall for her when the bitch is clearly openly flirting and talking? Like, if Jamie right now, I know she talks about hunks.com and all this sort of stuff. Like, great. But, like... <laughs> Like, in all seriousness, if she comes home and he's like, oh, my God, this guy next door, he's so hot. Oh, he's amazing. The way he flirts. Oh, he's so good. Are you just going to be like, oh, okay, lol. You know, like, well, I've seen the guy next door, so I probably would be. <laughs> yeah, well, good you know, like if but... Channing Tatum had wider eyes and moved next door. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, again, it's not very nice of her. Like, she... I just think she's not very aware. Maybe she's one of these people who comes across as... No, she... Let's be honest. She is flirty. But she's, she's one of these aware. people who doesn't... Come like, off of it. She is fully it aware. <laughs> it hurts people, MJ. Don't be hurting. Um, oh. Following the scene, we have Norman's tormented schizophrenia back and forth. Everything. So over the top and so amazing. Talking to himself. Uh, we have the wimpy Norman versus the very confident, murderous Norman. And then we have, you know, more J. Jonah Jameson, which anything he does is great. But the scene that really makes no sense, this entire movie, nothing makes sense about where Peter's, you know, trying to tell him it's like, oh, he, you know, he wasn't terrorizing the city. And we have like the Green Goblin. I want a quarter of your time. Somebody <laughs> says it. <laughs> um, and, but then when the Green Goblin attacks J. Jonah's office and Spider-Man's there to save the day and he takes him to some rooftop somewhere 
He's unconscious the entire time, and then he just has a brief conversation with him saying, you should join with me, Spider-Man, which we never get a, a setup as to why the Green Goblin needs or wants this, and why does he not take off the mask? Mm. Because he clearly wants to know how he could leverage himself against Spider-Man, and later on he's like, well, if I know who he is, I can leverage myself, and he knocks the guy out with gas and then just has him there for clearly hours. It goes from daylight to pitch black, <laughs> and he never takes off the mask. It's one scene that still bothers me. Yeah, there's a few of... There's, uh, there's at least two scenes in this movie when it comes to could have taken it off to realise who they actually are. Um, you know, MJ gets halfway there at least. But, yeah, yeah it's um, it's really... It is interesting, actually, and kind of it hasn't really bothered me much until you just really pointed that out. <laughs> it's like, I noticed it, but it's kind of like, well, it doesn't really... You know, my funniest bit about that scene is to kind of... You know, you've got this scene with two masked, grown men talking with each other. I mean, could you imagine the acting in this scene? Like, just... Do you sometimes just watch a movie and imagine, like, how they're acting it rather than just how dramatic it comes across on screen? But, you know, you've got two established actors at this point dressed in, like, colourful costumes having a dramatic scene. You can't see their mouths moving. So, it just kind of, you know, you, you could dub over anything on this. You could dub over, you know, I don't like sand, it's coarse, it's rough, it gets everywhere over this. We should do that. <laughs> just to see how that would work. Um... But yeah, I love his um, I love his his moment when he's in the mirror and he's like talking to himself and all that sort of stuff. Like again, Willem Dafoe just pulls it off so well. Um, and, I, and the douche bit there from Harry, kind of going on to like the bro code when he's all like, "Oh, you didn't make a move," and then Peter's sort of like, "Oh, you're right, I didn't." But it's still like that's not a cool thing to do. Um, Harry should have been like, you know, in all fairness, you've been flirting with her. <laughs> For the last couple of months, despite her being my girlfriend. Well, exactly. Like, why Why does it take later on to him walks in the hospital to realise this is the problem? Like, you're dating the girl he's been in love with for 11 years, Harry. Like, he mm. doesn't just automatically go, oh, my best friend's dating her. I won't have feelings for her anymore. Like, you know, he's not MJ. He can't change his feelings and fall in love with a different person every five minutes, okay? He's Peter Parker, Harry. <laughs> but I love the Jameson scene, the best line, one of the best things he says, like, I, the, the two things that he says, which is really good, when uh, Peter Parker's saying, like, you know, oh, you can't make that up, you know, that's slander. And it's like, that's not, I resent that. <laughs> Slander's spoken in print, it's libel. Print, libel. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he's like, you know, oh, your problem is you just don't trust him. That's not true. I trust my barber. <laughs> <laughs> Every line guys in this movie will be quoted by the end of this podcast. I want that on a t-shirt. I want a picture of J.K. Simmons. It's <laughs> Jay Jonah Jameson with a cigar in his mouth with a line, I trust my barber. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be one out there. <laughs> and like, I, I want that as like, you know, a, a journalist joke back working at the paper. Like, I have a picture on my wall, you know. It's, it's, it's slander, it's spoken. <laughs> Print, it's libel. <laughs> Um, but, um, I like, I like that, you know, he holds him up, you know, I could squash you. Like, what does he say? Like, sleep, little spider, or something like that. And when, when he attacks the office, again, this is unrealistic journalist office, because if that was happening in an office, photographers work in a newspaper. They're a newspaper. They produce the news. Why isn't every photographer hearing an explosion and rushing up with cameras taking photos of this right now? Like, no wonder they have to hire Peter Parker. 
And why isn't JJ after this like, Parker, you're fired. You had a camera right there. And and actually, the thing also that really bothers me, if you get a news, if you get a photo published in a newspaper, generally you have a byline that would say photo by Peter Parker. Is, is JK is J Jonah Jones is such an ass he won't publish a byline for Peter Parker? So why does the Goblin have to be like, who's a person who takes photos of Spider Man? <laughs> like it should just be knowledge. It should be like, oh Peter Parker, okay. <laughs> but what the you got to you give props to J Jonah Jameson. He's certainly not a snitch. He definitely like he yep. keeps his sources. So um, yeah, it's um, it's all fun. Yes. <laughs> We're going long here. Let's try to speed this along a little bit. Um, very iconic scene coming up. Uh, we have the uh, rain kiss scene, which is, I, I would argue, probably one of the most famous scenes in any superhero movie ever. Oh, one of the most uh, famous scenes, I'd argue, of the entire decade, I feel. I mean, this was yeah, parodied sure. to death in so many things. Which will not be parodied here on the Oz Network. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been. I would have been Mary Jane. Yeah, I'm sure you would have been. <laughs> Your nipple showing in the rain. <laughs> Which one of those things that I don't remember picking up on that when I saw it in theaters or even on VHS. Oh, I did. You see it on I was a 15 year old boy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's definitely a lot clearer on Blu-ray. And I don't know if that was intentional, but oh. I love that she's basically being chased down here in an alley. And the one guy starts barking at her like a dog. <laughs> What's he doing? Let's just be honest here. Um, you know, she's about to be gang raped. That's kind of a bit <laughs> dark, people. Like, that's really dark. Um, I just want to really quickly add before, you know, I, I guess you talk about this scene separately. I don't really have much to add because, I mean, it's just so iconic. Um, I've actually been where they filmed that. They actually filmed that on the uh, Warner Brothers uh, lot, the New York lot in uh, in Los Angeles. And I did a tour of the Warner Studios when I was there once. And, and you kissed the tour guide upside down. Definitely, the rain. it was just recreated. <laughs> all the all the people in the tour did it. Um, but we we went into like the alley, and there and this like the tour guide. She was so kind of like, can anybody guess what f- was filmed in this? And we we're all just like reeling off movies, you know, having no idea. She's like, no, nope, no one ever guesses it. This is where they filmed the. Spider-Man kiss, and everyone's like, oh, and they pull their cameras out and start taking pictures of this <laughs> Let me take pictures so when I post this on Facebook, everybody's going to be looking at it saying, uh, is that where they filmed X versus Sever? Yeah. <laughs> they filmed Wing Commander, every bad movie ever made. But as soon as you say Spider-Man, it's like, oh, awesome! <laughs> uh, it is a very iconic scene, and it, it's done so well. And it, It's funny because I wrote in my notes, she's the world's worst girlfriend here because she doesn't even hesitate she is, to do this. This is like, my point. You're getting on with this beautifully, Colin, because, again, let's analyze the bitch. She's kissing another guy. <laughs> she's gotten rid of Flash. She's gotten in Harry. Doesn't even love Harry. She's getting feelings for Peter, and now she's macking it on with a guy and just, oh, you are useless and stupid and just, oh. And Harry is a nice guy in this. He's a I mean, very different- nice guy, and he's rich, okay? Yeah. <laughs> And he hasn't broomed her fast or anything. I will date <laughs> Harry, MJ. Like, God, just <laughs> make your mind up. Take Peter or, or Spider-Man or Flash or fucking customer number seven at your diner. I will take <laughs> Harry. It is funny, though, because I do have to put, like, people will come up with excuses in movies like this. Like, when they have a, a boyfriend, like, the beginning. Well, Flash was a jerk, so it's okay. But, like, here, Harry is a really decent guy, and he feels 
already very self-conscious and you know he he doesn't have you know a lot going on for him he's in the shadow of his dad and you know his best friend is uh spider-man but, but even even what? even like analyzing like you're right you're so right uh, but then like we get like the hospital scene when she's all like oh i'm in love with spider-man and then like at the end when she's all like oh i'm in love with you peter i was thinking about you the whole fucking time but like you, well, like who are you in love with now like you were in love with let's Spider-Man. Group this together we'll talk about some of the scenes in the middle but let's talk right now about the thanksgiving scene this to come because the two scenes really do work together so what happens is everybody's there for thanksgiving you know we have a few scenes in the middle which we'll talk about in a bit but basically norman freaks out and it's probably the other personality of norman and he starts going to you think a girl like that's you know sniffing around for your personality and stuff like that it's like once your trust fund's gone you know she's gonna be just like your mother and then do what you need to with her broom her fast i always love that line basically his dad is being a jerk and the last words he says is you're wrong about her and he comes back in the apartment show, thanks for sticking up for me harry it's like he just spent five minutes sticking up for you out there exactly thank you thank and you thank you i this is in capital letters he sticks up for her <laughs> He's the world's best... If you actually watch this movie, he's the world's best boyfriend. Now, if I'm out in the rain and a bunch of barking women try to gang rape me... <laughs> and Winnipeg Wonder thing. Woman, <laughs> Gal Gadot Wonder Woman drops and, you know, rescues me in the rain... I'm sorry. I don't care if it's Wonder Woman. I'm not doing nothing because my wife's going to kill me. <laughs> and I wouldn't do that because my wife's a nice person and my wife would never do anything bad. My wife is like Harry Osborne. She's she's the nicest person in the world. I'll get I out of it. She would totally Wonder make out with him. We know she would. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not saying she wouldn't. I'm saying I wouldn't if it was Wonder Woman. <laughs> I'm saying I'm a better person than Jamie. My, my wonderful wife, I'm better than her. <laughs> we love you, Jamie. But my point is, that I can put myself in this position and be like, I don't care if it's Wonder Woman. I'm not doing nothing. I'll be like, thanks, Wonder Woman. Could I get a selfie with you? <laughs> you know, I might I might try to angle the selfie in a certain direction. She could get her boobs out, and let's be honest, you're still only getting a photo of her face and not even looking exactly. at her boobs. You're a nice man, Colin exactly. Hilding. I would say I would say you're that nice. But Mary Jane really isn't. I don't know. I was starting this episode like, you know, I like her in these movies. She's good. And now I'm kind of on the bandwagon of like, yes. she's a terrible person. She is a terrible person. And again, this she's is my... real villain. This is my thing. It's like, it's, it's again, nothing against Kirsten Dunst. I have to keep saying that. It's not <laughs> Kirsten Dunst. I'm sure Natalie Portman could play this character and I would hate her as a character because she... Well, I a, would hate her more. Well, I know <laughs> you different. would. I know you would. But, like, she is so horrible. She is just... She has no conscious thought of any guy in her life. And that was probably the one thing that really set me over the line is, as you said... He sticks up for her. You hear him say the line. What does he say? Like, he says, you're wrong about her, Dad. Yeah, you're wrong about her. He even says, this girl's important to me. And yet, like, you know, okay, he's being a bit of a dick about her. Fair enough. But, like, what else does she expect him to do? Like, are you just shitty because you haven't slept with Norman yet, you dumb bitch? Like, <laughs> just, just calm the fuck down. I mean, just just no. Just shut up, MJ. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen come part two, if I'm going to be angry or not. <laughs> it's been about a, two years since I've seen that movie. Um, 
I think we're, we're, we've done enough damage here, MJ. Let's move on to the scenes in the middle that we skipped over there. <laughs> this is the Thanksgiving stuff. Uh, so the fire, I love the over-the-top mother. I, again, if there's anybody who can be over the top, it is Willem Dafoe. If there's anybody who can not be over the top, it is this woman. This is the most <laughs> annoying over-the-top acting I've ever seen. <laughs> And meanwhile, the entire time, and this isn't just something like, you know, I've seen this movie enough times, like with MJ, I'm like, she really is a terrible person. What is this mother doing outside? If there's a fire in the building, yep. how far are you from your baby where you can't grab them? And how loud is this baby that we're hearing it over? Like, we recorded an episode a few days ago where my baby's audible in the background, but I guarantee if the building was burning down and I was two blocks away, I wouldn't be hearing Casper crying. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Just put on Die Another Day, and I think we probably yeah. could. But, but <laughs> also, the ineptness crying. of the FDNY. I love the FDNY and the NYPD. I feel terrible for, like, ripping shit into them. But why is this firefighter just being like, you can't go in there? Yet, who else no. is, it? is anybody else in this building? Because he's just kind of standing there watching a baby burn. We don't even see them trying. <laughs> and like, because when Spider-Man goes in there later for the goblin, well, spoiler alert, it's a goblin, not a woman, there's no other yeah. firefighters in there who's like, oh, no, the roof's going to collapse. You're a fucking firefighter. You survived 9-11, mate. Go in there and save the baby. Yeah, this is where you can tell the movie was filmed before 9-11. Exactly. You know, they obviously made some edits afterwards, but like, there's, we know that that last shot with the American flag in the background they intentionally put in there because of 9-11. You could have tinkered these scenes a little bit to make them at least brave. I mean, the only people in this movie outside of Spider-Man that show any bravery are the citizens that start egging the goblin at the end. And they're braver than the police in this. And even, they have a job to do, okay... There's this thing like, you know, calling for Spider-Man's arrest or whatever. And this guy's like, you're under arrest. It's like, I'm going in after the baby. All right, but I'll be here when you get back. I'm not coming back. Okay, just go then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even when their job is to do the wrong thing, they won't do it. <laughs> that, yeah, and like, I'm, uh, I'm glad you mentioned about the whole, like, baby thing. Like, what was this woman doing? <laughs> like, and I mean, that's on the top floor as well. So it's like, she's rushed down the stairs to get out of this building. Like, that's what, at least the 10th floor? Do you not get to floor number four and go, I'm missing something. Hang on a minute. what's Something's not right here. Look, I've got a theory. Um, I'm not, this is in no way making fun of mental illness or anything like that. But everybody has been to that area of your city where there is just a person who wanders around ranting to themselves saying the same thing over and over again i'm betting that's this lady this is that mentally ill lady that's wandering around the neighborhood seven days a week going my baby my baby my baby and everybody's like, you don't have a baby you've never had a baby it's okay surely it's like no my baby it's in the fire and this just happened to happen right in front of her and she freaked out this is the woman whose baby this is is dead inside that fire and this woman just she's lost her mind years ago is freaking my baby my baby my baby here we have a woman you can find a YouTube clip. If you want to look for a YouTube clip, we have a woman here in Winnipeg, and she's not crazy. This isn't me making fun. She's a literal con artist because there are people who have placed videos about her where she just goes around saying, I'm so hungry. I need food to eat. Oh, why won't you make me food? She'll try to take money out of people's hands on the street begging and people have shot videos of her and put it up on youtube because they've also found videos of her being completely normal walking into her high-rise apartment building why did you take me to see her when i went to winnipeg stuff the museum of (laughs) acceptance or whatever it was i wanted to see crazy woman 
<laughs> but that's who this is. This is the cr- crazy woman. I'm so hungry. I need to eat. My baby. My baby. My baby. <laughs> that makes sense. I like that. I like that addition yep. to this storyline. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so literally after this scene, would you say, God bless you, Spider-Man? She's like casually yeah. walking off like sinister villain. Got and myself a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Kidnapping, that's not her baby. We just, we sure just it don't is. Want she just said my baby over and over again for 10 minutes. <laughs> as long as she doesn't turn into like fat bastard from Austin Powers, like, baby, the other other white meat. Baby, what's the dinner? <laughs> <laughs> um, the other stuff that happens in this scene, we get a fight scene between the Green Goblin and Spider-Man. Uh, it is fun. The, the scene, bad one-liners sometimes do work. <laughs> and this is where he says, uh, uh, you're, I don't even remember what Green Goblin's line about saying out of here. He goes, you're the one who's out, Gobby, out of your mind. Maybe the worst one-liner in any comic movie ever, but Tobey Maguire can pull it off because he's so sincere with it. Um, after this fight, we basically get the the scene at Thanksgiving dinner where Peter's hiding in his room, which is, again, one of my favorite parts of the movie, just how Sam Raimi will let certain scenes play out for longer, just the tension, where he's hanging up on the ceiling and the blood's about to drop and Norman's there and everything. And then, of course, we have the Thanksgiving fight we talked about earlier. Uh, I love the scene where he almost catches him, and it still gets me every time. Like, every single time, my heart's racing because I forget that he just disappears when he turns around. But one observation here, Norman, one of the richest men in the world... And what can he bring for Thanksgiving but a fruitcake? Like the cheapest, <laughs> most welfare <laughs> dessert that you could bring anywhere. And he's like, I brought a fruitcake all excited. Like, I'd be looking at him saying like, geez, man, where's like the plate of Gouda and caviar? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Cheap man's Gouda way out here. Gouda and caviar on Thanksgiving, Colin. It's traditional. <laughs> I'm Australian and I know that. Um, you see your favorite dish there, right? I did. I got excited when I saw that. I, was like... I also want to quickly point out the we're talking about sweet potatoes with marshmallows on top. Um, what MJ is actually doing where Harry's getting upset with her, saying, like, stop messing around, because we see her hunched over with her face in it. Like, I'm wondering, <laughs> what is she doing that he's getting upset about? She's on Tinder. Is or she licking like... it? Is she, like, <laughs> sniffing it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's imagination she's like, running wild. She's literally looking at it going, surely there's a penis in here somewhere. I mean, surely, surely. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, I like the whole like the the fire sequence when he's inside and you know the, uh, honestly like I always forget that this is the goblin so like there's a woman I'm like oh he's gonna save a woman and then it's like ah when it's like the goblin but like he he does like to go to elaborate setups doesn't he old uh, old Norman <laughs> like you know he could just he, he, we saw him before kidnap Spider Man and just like knock him out yet now he's gonna set a building on fire and kill crazy woman to kill kill a woman to get a baby so the crazy woman can get it um but like my baby my baby, my baby. <laughs> he's such a good impersonation of it um, but, oh calm down man but it's um when he when he lets the bomb things off why does he use like the bombs with like the blades and stuff on it i mean we saw he had a bomb before that could turn people into skeletons a bomb yeah. that can blow shit up pretty easily. So is this just the James Bond villain trope of, oh, let's make, you know, the fact that we could easily kill him right now, but, you know, let's tease this out a little bit. Um, he made these for the military. So what use are those little swinging blade things if they have a bomb that can vaporize you on the spot? Exactly. I'm sure I know what's going to use to 
take out ISIS, you know? <laughs> not, <laughs> not switchblades coming out of a little potato bomb or whatever the hell it is. Um, but I like kind of, you know, you can tell this is sort of a very early 2000s movie. You know what? Only a few years after The Matrix, you got bullet time. So it's kind of, you know, recycled over and over again at this early part of the decade. But I mean, it still works. I'm not saying it doesn't work. Um, but my favourite bit, I've just, I don't know if it's updated itself and this kind of has nothing to do with our listeners, but I've changed my picture on Skype. I love his Norman's face when he meets MJ yes. and he's just staring at her. He's just kind of like, hey, hey, he's hey. creepy there, yeah. And let's be honest, MJ is totally turned on by that. Like, she, <laughs> she's ready to all of a sudden turn to Aunt May and say, oh my God, I'm so in love with him. Um, but like, I, I, I really hate nitpicking really good scenes because I agree with everything you say about the tension when they go up to his room and like, cause it, it's great. It still works. But like, why does everybody rush up with Aunt May to check? Like, oh, Peter's here. Quick, we better see. Like, it's yeah. like, surely that's just an Aunt May thing. You just kind of knocking his, oh, no, he's not here. He must have heard. It must have no, been awesome or something. In reality, Aunt May right now would be like, don't go in there. He's exercising and he's not dressed. <laughs> Why are all these webs around that they're not webs? <laughs> but um, I also love the bit when he picks at the, uh, the marshmallow sweet potato and May slaps him. Yeah. <laughs> Just the look on his face. Let's be honest. That is the reason why he is so excited to attack Aunt May very soon. Because he's like, bitch, no one slaps me. <laughs> No one gets in between Norman and his sweet potato. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you now, if I ever experience Thanksgiving in America again, that's me. I am totally, if somebody <laughs> slaps my hand away, I'm going to blow them up in a 90 while they're praying. That is my <laughs> shit that's happening next. Well, let's, speaking of that scene, um, Norman has another schizophrenic attack here where he's, the heart, Osborne, first we attack the heart. Actually, just really quickly, I really, just really, sorry to interrupt, I just got one more note here, this is, you like this bit, I've written here, shut up Aunt May, the way, yeah. like, when like, when Harry's like going off at MJ, the way she's like, Harry Osborne, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, shut up you nosy bitch, leave him alone, Harry's nice, we all want to date this. Harry. Yeah, Harry's the nice guy. She's the one playing around with everybody under the sun. Typical woman, side with the other woman, God. <laughs> Um, but she gets what's coming to her here. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get, Aunt May. <laughs> here is where... Uh, I-, I said earlier it wasn't a knock against Rosemary Harris as an actress. I will say now it is a knock against Rosemary Harris as an actress. When she's sitting there saying her prayers at the end of the night, and then the Green Goblin crashes into her house, and he's she's like, Deliver us! Finish it! Finish it! From evil! <laughs> The only way that her acting could get any worse is in the next scene where Peter shows up at the hospital and she's like, those eyes, those horrible yellow eyes. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with this woman. Please, I, I, please, everybody out there, give us your thoughts. Am I too hard on old women in movies or is this a really annoying character? <laughs> there has to be a movie out there where an old woman gets burnt alive. Um, and I think Colin has that as like his screensaver on his computer. Oh, if we could find it. If anybody out there knows of a scene where an old woman is set on fire. <laughs> I know, I'm waking up live- tomorrow. If I wake up we'll tomorrow, I... I hear, yeah. like, news of, you know, a man in Winnipeg, Canada has been arrested for burning down a nursing home filled with old ladies. And he stood out the front and laughed as they all burnt to death. <laughs> um, 
We'll, we'll group everything here together except for the climax. I've really got nothing to add, by the way, on Art May getting blown up. I mean, I agree with everything Good. you Good. just said. Those horrible yellow eyes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we get the hospital scene where MJ comes to visit the hospital. And guess what? I'm in love with somebody else, even Ugh. though Harry did nothing wrong. And she has this scene. This is the second soap opera scene that I think just drags on way too long. And I, I always zone out when Peter goes on his speech about what he said to Spider-Man to her. Because I literally have no clue what it is. Like I've seen this movie dozens of times. I could probably quote most of the movie by heart, and I have no clue what he says in that scene. I just completely black out every single time. It's so, so boring. Romantic though, Colin. I like the quick scenes between them, but when they have these scenes that go on forever, it's just like, come on, this isn't Dawson's Creek. Let's just be <laughs> done with it. Colin hates romance, old ladies, <laughs> Madonna. I hate teen romance and old ladies, but I like the the, the rain scene. Uh, um, but yeah we have the awkward moment where she's has her hand on Peter and Harry comes in and sees it and guess what now he's like well she's in love with Peter now and he goes and tells his dad and his dad of course can now have a reason to kill Mary Jane um, which I always found Harry kind of overreacting that scene I mean again we know he's the nice guy and he didn't do anything wrong but all he did was walk in and saw her with her hand on Peter's hand now his aunt was just attacked with a bomb by a green demon. <laughs> and she was not delivered from evil. And he had those eyes, those horrible yellow eyes. This is the most terrifying thing that could happen to a person. And Peter's in the hospital with his aunt. She's comforting him. And Harry's like, well, she's in love with him now. But then again, it is Mary Jane. If she's giving the slightest bit of attention to another man, she's going to leave you for him. I guess it makes sense. And that's kind of what I'm thinking here, Colin. Like, I would definitely be worried about this scene that if I'm walking in a room <laughs> and MJ's touching another man, if she's in the room with another man, if she's within a kilometre of another man, she's in love with him. So, like, yeah. I am I am worried. It's over, Harry. <laughs> um, yeah, this scene, this, I don't know if you finished, but I just, I guess, just, he's overdrawn. I've written here in big capital letters, make up your mind the way you know I'm in love with somebody else. Um, and your favourite aunt mate in the background with her sneaky little eyes opening, like, just, you know, oh. checking these things out. Oh, well, um, of course, as we said, you're not Superman. <laughs> but, but I mean, look, I've, I've, I have found the script here for that line. I'm not going to read it all because it does go on oh, for about... Oh, please don't. I do, I do like the, um, the bit, though, when he says, when he's like, uh, you know, he asked me what I thought about you. And what did you say? He's like, I said, Spider-Man. <laughs> 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 just the way... <laughs> Just the way it's like, you know, one of those geeky little lines that Tobey Maguire does so well. But, like, even reading this now, like, I think I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't mind romantic scenes in movies. You know, I love Titanic. That's clearly why you hate Titanic. But um, just it does, I do zone out. Because even reading this now, um, it's 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 interesting. What does this say? The, the way this script is written... It's like got all this, you know, romantic bit, and it says here at the end, you said that? Well, something like that, followed by, Dad, Dad, is that you? What is that? You were right about MJ. Like, there's no gaps in this. It's just <laughs> line after line. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, uh, MJ, shut up. All right. <laughs> and, of course, Aunt May has one more scene where she's encouraging Peter to go after his best friend's girlfriend um, because we know it's an easy thing to do. <laughs> um <laughs> And the the one scene that I hate uh, where she's like, <laughs> Peter, you said to me, and this is where Peter gets it from. It's like, I said, Spider-Man? He's like, you said to me, Aunt May? Is that an angel? 
Which, as we're talking about Spider or uh, Star Wars references, I totally want that to be followed by. They live on the moons of Diego, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just I remember back to the World Unity Festival. Where I said everything from this point in the movie was great, and now I'm realizing it's not all that great. But everything that's to come after this is great, and I'm not going to be lying this time. Because following that, we go into the climax, and I guess we'll kind of just group the entire climax together. So, uh, can Spider-Man come out to play is uh, one of the great overtop lines. So good. And, of course, he knows that now Mary Jane's how you get to his heart. Because he doesn't care about Aunt May dying, but he would if you get his... And, I mean, why, why does it, <laughs> it take him this long to think about it? Again, anybody's in the room with MJ, it kind of automatically be like, oh, clearly, you know, there's a love connection there somewhere, so better kidnap well, her. The problem because Peter and Norman have only been in the room together three times for a total of 90 seconds combined. <laughs> this father son relationship, you don't even know who your son's in love with, Norman. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the climax here is awesome. Uh, there are some complaints. Again, this is where the effects do not hold up so well. Uh, he basically has Mary Jane in one hand and he has a cable car full of kids in the other. I love the plot hole of why these kids are out on a field trip at 10 o'clock yeah, at night. Thinking exactly <laughs> the same thing. Like, what are they doing? What school is it? I know New York is a city that never sleeps, but kids sleep and schools end at like 3 o'clock, people. So, like, what is this? Uh, look, let's also say the effects of him holding that cable car are probably worse than most of the effects they did in the 1970s TV live-action Spider-Man. Like, it looks awful. The cable is flopping around. There's no tension on it. And this should be like thousands of pounds he's holding. It makes no sense. Uh, bad effects. They correct it in Spider-Man 2 so I can forgive it. But yeah, this this moment is a throwback to the comic book storyline of Gwen Stacy, where I think it was the Green Goblin there too, had the exact same ultimatum, and he basically dropped Gwen Stacy to her death. And that's, spoiler alert, Gwen Stacy died in the comics. But does she die in the movie? Stay tuned uh, uh, to find uh, out. Uh, uh, um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, of course, he finds a way to save them both, and uh, these kids are all cheering, and as the Green Goblin continues to attack Spider-Man, every citizen in New York comes to his defense <laughs> because we know the police don't have the guts to do it. Yeah, you get behind them, New Yorkers, because you're inept police and firefighters. Yeah, this this almost felt like a 9-11 tack on, and I'm not knocking that, but you know they did say they cut the... World Trade Center scene, and we know they added the flag at the end. I feel like this was probably added after 9-11, the whole you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us thing. Uh, but still, there's a fantastic fight coming up. And I always forget how great the fight is, because everybody remembers the cable car scene, and they forget that this fight, this is a pretty good fight for a superhero movie where two guys are just wearing costumes with limited mobility. Yeah, and the fight's pretty gruesome, and you know we get, of course, it's a Spider-Man movie. Tobey Maguire has to show his face by the end, which makes sense, I guess. You want people to know we actually have our star in there, and we have the moment where he's like, "It's me, it's Norman Osborn. I knew if anybody could save me, it would be you, my other son, who I've barely spoken to." And as I said, every time they do speak, it's like, "Hey, remember the last time we talked six months ago?" Oh. I said it again. I'm like, we're, we're not going to have any complaints, but there's a complaint. But it's such a good scene because Willem Dafoe was so good at being over the top. And I had a father. His name was Ben. And then the glad Godspeed Spider-Man. The way his eyes sort of roll into the back of his head and just snaps. Godspeed Spider-Man. Glider right through the chest. Awesome finish. Uh, 
of course, then we get the awkward moment, which will become very awkward when we get to Spider-Man 3, of <laughs> Harry finding Spider-Man with ripped-up clothes, standing over his dead father, naked in bed. <laughs> what was Harry thinking after this? That's what I want. We get the funeral scene that follows that, and, you know, the, you know, great, I'm in love with you, we'll, we'll just cover Ugh. the entire thing. Um, I like that final scene with her. That's one of the scenes I'll for. And who am I? I'm Spider-Man, the big swinging through the air. Flag in the end, World Trade Center's over, but the police are terrible, apparently. But what, what is Harry thinking? You know, what have you done? You've just raped my father. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we laughing How over rape jokes? We're going to stop it. <laughs> How does, but seriously, that is what would legitimately be playing out in Harry's mind. It's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, just a few things with the uh, the... The bridge sequence. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's it, the way it's shot. I like it kind of how like she wakes up and you don't even know where she is, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Oh fuck, I'm on a bridge." Um, she's like, "Oh, I've never had sex with anybody up here before." Oh, put that on the list. <laughs> but this would be a great spot to take that guy from the diner. <laughs> very romantic for the next three guys I fall in love with in the next fifteen <laughs> minutes. She's probably like looking at all those guys up on the bridge throwing stuff up. You know, you mess with all of us, and Andre's probably going, "You know, yeah, I'm going to mess with all of you later." I take care. And him, and him. <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. <laughs> um, this kind of goes back to my point about I didn't realise that, like, super strength was a thing of Spider-Man and the Green... I guess we kind of got it. You know, I know it's implied in the beginning, like we said, but it's still, like, as you said, this is a cable car. This thing isn't light, you know? I mean, yeah, like, exactly. How is he holding that with one hand and MJ on the other and just... Uh, we get that real iconic scene, don't we, of kind of, like, him looking in his mask of, like, the reflection of her, like, falling and then that and the other one. I've written here, when he's got the ultimatum, I'm like, I know I've said this a thousand times, but I've written, oh, please save the kids. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is... No sarcasm there. <laughs> but, he, but he actually goes for MJ first. Let's analyse this situation, okay? He is thinking with his dick, because if he fucks this up, those kids are dead. And, like, and he dives after her first, yeah. Well, exactly. So, like, you know, he's clearly he's going to save the day. I mean, they're not going to kill a bunch of kids in the first film, you know. Uh, again, if this is Spider-Man 2017, they might, because it's dark and gritty and realistic. Um, but, you know, in post-9-11 New York, they're not just going to senselessly murder a, a cable car filled with children who are on the weirdest field trip ever and the most boring field trip ever, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Do you kids want to take a cable car... Over the river where you can see nothing because it's pitch black outside. And also the most convenient barge in the history of barges that just happens <laughs> to be there. Uh, I've written here in large capital letters, just fucking climb. When she's, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Shut the fuck up and climb down. You are preventing him from rescuing little children, you selfish bitch. Just do as you're told. Think somebody other than yourself. <laughs> Like, this is the thing. MJ, is is she the most self-centered, annoying woman character in comic books? Oh, I love you, Kirsten Dunst, but not Mary. I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, it's, it's really a violent ending, too. Like, it is brutal. Like, yeah. the, you know, it still kind of surprises me just how violent this ending is. And, I, you know, you wonder how it... I mean, what was this? Was this a PG-13 film or was this kind of rated higher? I mean, yeah, it was PG. 
Well, I mean, for, to be PG and kind of have this level of violence, you know, I mean, clearly we sort of get very violent comic book films now, but yeah, I love this whole last sequence of just, you know, <laughs> except for the whole, the dad son relationship that comes out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, like how, how does the Green Goblin survive getting crushed by a fucking brick wall as well? I've written that now. <laughs> um, and I, but I love how like he's explaining and he's going off about, you know, like how he's going to hurt MJ. I'm like, yes, yes, come on, do it. Kill Spider-Man. I want to see this. <laughs> but like, I love the line when he gets here and he's like, now that you've really pissed me off. Just like the way he like <laughs> delivers it. It's so good. Um, but I actually, I watched this, a clip, one of these, uh, Watch Mojo clips on YouTube recently and I was, it was like, top 10 overdramatic death scenes in movies or something like that. And they put this death scene on there purely on the fact of the, when the glider comes towards him and he drops the, oh, and then he gets, like, you know, impaled. And then they were like, oh, it was it just fell out of place in the way he kind of slumps forward on the glider. Glider, I, I think it, I just think it kind of works weirdly. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm I like here, it, yeah. I, here I am nitpicking everything about, you know, the realisticness. And let's be honest, he's not going to have time to go, oh, he's, his guts are everywhere at that point. Yeah. But, like, it, it works. I don't know. It just kind of, you know, works. And we get this long-running, you know, we didn't even say it before with, you know, skanky MJ before flashing herself to Peter. <laughs> but the whole don't tell Harry that kind of yeah. comes across there. Uh, I it's I, important for the entire trilogy, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of... I like how you print... shouldn't laugh about it, Ben. Rape isn't funny. But, like, you know, like, what would you think of... You it's know, not his- a joke. It's, it's, it's the honest truth. If you see Spider-Man with his clothes ripped off, standing over your naked father because he wasn't wearing anything there, and he's been stabbed through the chest, and you're gently putting him down in bed. What are you thinking? And and why? Why? Like, I'm sure he has to wear underwear under that green goblin suit, right? Like, <laughs> Does <why>? he? <laughs> Clearly not. He, you know, we know Willem we'll likes to go... We'll get to the com- creepy butler in part three. <laughs> <laughs> we, know, we know Willem Dafoe likes to go commander. What was that Madonna movie he was in, Indecent Expo, or whatever the hell that was? You know, I'm sure you... I don't, I don't watch Madonna movies, I'm sorry to say. You get to basically see every part of Willem Dafoe. It's not like he hasn't been naked a hundred times in films, but um, uh, trust me, we all know them. Um, but, like, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. But, like, my biggest thing with this is he got, like, ripped through by a glider and those blades, okay? They've gone through his abdomen. There's guts everywhere. His intestines are dangling out. Like, he's got bits of him here and hitting there. Why isn't he, like, bleeding all over the place with a bit of intestine hanging out and a bit of, you know, stomach here, a bit of this there? Like... We also know that there was guts because come creepy butler in part three, (laughs) I cleaned your father's wounds the night he died. (laughs) That's true. That is true. I we didn't, didn't even, even mention Creepy Butler. We got Creepy Butler like one scene in this movie, didn't we? When that woman's all like, "Oh, you know, Doctor Strange is dead. You know, and the glide has been stolen." And Creepy, I tried to stop her. <laughs> 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 He's an unhidden star of these movies. But yeah, the ending. Um, yeah, I <laughs> I get the whole like, oh, it's so romantic. Like you know, you get the big reveal. Finally, she's in love with Peter, and it's tragic. You know, he can't be in love with her because. You know, it'll affect him because they'll always be after, um, you know, her family. He's an idea, Peter Parker. Don't fucking reveal your identity to people. Um, that might help. Then you can bone her with your giant penis. But um, <laughs> oh, I just can't. I just can't. 
take anything with MJ. I'm just like, oh god, here we go, here we I go love again. We're talking about how much we love this movie, and of course, because she is the focus of the final scene, it ends on Ben complaining, oh, I just can't take it. But I, I love this movie, I really do. <laughs> you wouldn't know listening to this. Um, but the thing that also kind of baffles me is that, like, it's obviously implied, like, you know, they kiss, and then she's all like, oh, that kiss seems familiar. Like, oh my god, he's Spider-Man. How the fuck does she remember kisses? She has, like, 17 every second. Like, get out of town, MJ. Like, you well, don't remember. She doesn't. She, oh. Because my wife asked me that. She's like, oh, so this is where she knows. I'm like, no, in the next movie, she doesn't know. So maybe she suspects. She forgot it, like, 10 seconds later because she's making out with the, the priest <laughs> who did the funeral or something. But th- that's kind of where, uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, because it's that's heavily implied. I mean, come on. We all kind of assume that that's what it yeah. is. But, like, it is forgotten in the next movie. So it's kind of... It's more about her suspicions about him and, you know, all this sort of stuff. But I think, again, you've, you've perfectly written into why this woman is a bad mother. My baby, my baby, my baby! You know, that's explain it. And we've perfectly explained why MJ forgets that that kiss comes from Spider-Man because between now and number two, she is literally kissed and fucked every man left in Manhattan. <laughs> Uh, so that's the end of Spider-Man. Ben's complained for most of the movie for what he said. I love this. <laughs> but let's just end this on a positive note here. So uh, we'll jump into some facts and everything. But let's do the review first so people realize we do love this movie. Uh, what are our rankings here? Is it see it, skip it? What do we call the Rent these? it, buy it, bin it, basically. Rent it, buy it, bin it. So what is this? Ben, you want to go first? Uh Look, I'm just going to start off by saying it's definitely a buy, despite all the complaints that I've had. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, I'm going to start off a film by basically saying it's pretty much the perfect comic book movie. And yeah, uh, this is this is a, a movie that I, I never get tired of watching ever. And, you know, even with MJ in it, I can still stomach it and watch it because, you know, I like torture, apparently. But um, yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure you're going to touch on it, too. I might be jumping ahead of you here in terms of just the success. But I mean, you know, this was such a big movie sort of outside of everything too with, you know, breaking weekend box offices and nominated for Academy Awards. It won, like, Best Kiss, didn't it, at the MTV Movie Awards and things like that. And, you know, just just how huge this was. But, I mean, and, and that kind of just... It, it makes... I'm the type of person that likes it when... I guess things I like are successful. <laughs> I guess that's why I kind of drop all those Madonna references before the stupid Macy Gray. So um, it's kind of I like the fact that this and this is this still the most successful Spider-Man film. Am I not mistaken by saying that? Out of all five of them, um, I can look that up. I had it here earlier, and then I got away from it. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, well, I'll, so I'll, yes. So it is domestically. Uh, it grossed four hundred and three million. Uh, and Spider-Man 2 is the second most successful. They basically each gross a little bit less each time. Uh, adjusted for inflation, it was number one. The only thing it's not number one is worldwide. Worldwide, Spider-Man 3 outgrossed it by about $69 million. Well, you're going to think that's incredible, because even looking at $403 million, I mean, that is still... That's, that's surely still top 10 domestically in the US for that. Like, that's... That's decent, and generally you find that these films obviously outgross each other. It's kind of a trend, isn't it? And, you know, I guess, say, when you know Force Awakens came out, that obviously vaulted to number one. I, I kind of have a feeling that Spider-Man Homecoming will not even outgross Spider-Man 1. I just, you know, I, I, I it's just... That, to me, is unless we get Academy Award-winning Spider-Man in the future, 
Um, but it's just, it is, it, to me, that's, that's really stands on this film that the fact that even after five of these ones, I mean, each film, I'm, yeah, I've pulled this up now. Each film is, you know, gross over $200 million, which is, it's great for a franchise, but it's kind of, it's, isn't that just fascinating to think that number one is still there with a bullet as the number one grossing out of all of it. But, um, I'm kind of sidewaysing everywhere with this, but yeah, definitely a buy it. Um, uh, not even a question. I can watch this movie over and over again and never get sick of it. Yeah, it's totally a buy for me, and I'm going to say why here in a weird criticism of good current Marvel movies, because obviously this is different from the current Marvel series. You know, Sony had the rights to it. Marvel was still involved. People like to say, well, Marvel didn't have anything to do with this because they're not releasing the movies. There's a difference between the Marvel Cinematic Universe where they have the rights to release it, but they still have rights to the other ones that they still have to approve everything and they're still executive producers on all these old movies uh and one of the things that i think they get right in this that is wrong in all not just marvel but even dc movies is that everything has become about this shared universe so we're kind of missing the good old days now where a character was just existing in its own universe they were the most important person in that world and whatever villain there was was the most important and sam raimi was smarter than almost Anybody since who has come since him, even though he's made some mistakes, Spider-Man 3 will get you. But he always said that Spider-Man was only ever going to be as important as the villain was. And that he was only ever going to be as good as the villain was. And he always treated the villains with just as much importance. And that's something we don't get. And I like the new Marvel movies. And everybody on the planet is going to be like, well, the new Marvel movies are better. Spider-Man Homecoming is going to be better. I can think of only a handful of modern Marvel-made movies where the villain even mattered. And that's my biggest criticism of the modern Marvel movies. The villains are just throwaway. And in a lot of ways now, the heroes are just throwaways. You know, Captain America, uh, my, my only criticism of Civil War was that I wanted a Captain America 3, and I didn't get a Captain America 3. I got a prequel to the new Avengers movie. You know, even the, the superheroes can't have their own movies. Spider-Man Homecoming, the trailers, we're seeing a ton of Tony Stark, and I'm afraid it's just going to be a Tony Stark and Spider-Man movie. And I like that this is just Spider-Man. He's the most important character. It's done as his origin story. It's done perfectly here. And there are flaws in the movie, but it's the type of superhero movie we don't get anymore, and I wish we got more of. So it's totally a buy it for me. I completely agree with everything you said. And look, I will be 100% honest in admitting that right now, at the time of recording this at least, the only Marvel movies I've actually seen kind of in the universe of everything is the first Iron Man and Deadpool. And I don't even think Deadpool's mm-hmm. technically within the whole, you know, universe That's more of an X-Men thing. No. Right. So, yeah. um, it's kind of, and it's, it's not that I, it's not that I'm, I'm anti-Marvel or anything like that. It's just literally they release, you know, they release as many films as MJ has men basically in a year. Like <laughs> you know, there's always something coming out every now and then. So it's kind of, it's hard to catch up. And cause I've sort of fallen behind so much, it's sort of, um, you know, it's, it's to catch up. But, yeah, it's 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 almost, in a way, like when we talk about, like, the James Bond franchise, how that's taken a turn. And I guess it's just movies, how they are nowadays, isn't it, with reboots and, you know, things like that. But as much as, like, I sort of miss the, the fun old standalone James Bond, you know, over-the-top craziness films that we sort of grew up on and you appreciate what they've done with them and kind of similar with these comic book ones, it's like, yeah, I... You know, I, I have a weird liking of the Daredevil film with Ben Affleck in it. Like, you know, oh. is that a bad thing? Is that like a... Yes, that's just... a bad thing. Wow, okay, I really hit his nerve. I thought that was one of these like, oh, Batman and Robin, I can appreciate, you know, things. But no, oh. okay, you hate Daredevil. Oh, fair enough. Yes. Um, <laughs> I can't wait till we cover that one. Um, but, 
Yeah, it's. I miss it. I I miss kind of this sort of thing, and you feel. Will we ever get this said? Like, are we going to get sick of our reboots and darkness and then all of a sudden when we get a lighter sort of standalone comic book film one day, is it going to be a thing of like, wow, retro, we really miss this? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's interesting. One thing I just wanted to really touch on, I don't, again, look, I'm sorry if you were going to mention this really quickly, but um, just a real connection. Obviously, we do do 007 available via, uh, you know, iTunes and all those sort of things. But there is that weird connection between this film and James Bond, isn't there, in terms of the exchanging of rights between, um, I think it was like, what, they swapped Spider-Man between Sony and MGM with Casino Royale or something like that? Like, do you do you know what I'm talking about? I'm trying to sort of read here uh, a little bit of the notes here, but there was a, a swap yeah. between films, wasn't there? And that's I how Spider-Man kind of got made. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading here, Eon Productions gained rights to Casino Royale in 1999 after Sony Pictures Entertainment exchanged them for MGM's rights to Spider-Man. And kind of, I guess, kind of through all the the development hell, like you mentioned about how like, James Cameron had it. And actually, just interesting, I, sh- I did mention, I know we're ending this episode, Colin, I know, but I'm like, I, I believe the the uh, the uh, organic web from the wrist was actually a James Cameron idea that they kept in from his original take of the, the script. I apparently... Well, now that. it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm just ruining everything for Colin. But... um. Yeah, again, I'm going all over the shop with my facts here, but I just I always thought that was an interesting, um, weird connection to the James Bond world. That sort of the reboot of James Bond came from them swapping Spider Man. So we got Spider Man with thanks to James Bond, and we got the remake of James Bond with the thanks to Spider Man. So there you go. Some more history here. Uh, 2002. This movie comes out May second, 2002. Very interesting date. Uh, Fifteen years ago, and oh wow, actually, that's legitimately the day we're recording <laughs> we'll, these. We'll date this. It is. I have to date ben. that. Wow, I just noticed yeah. that. <laughs> these episodes are going to be released over time. We have to record some in advance. But we're going to say, at the time recording this from Ben, this is it exactly is. fifteen years to the wow. day. Wow! Happy fifteenth, <laughs> Spider Man! I'll light you a candle. That's that's crazy. Yeah. That is wow. Um, but uh, I guess a couple other uh, interesting notes about this. Prior to this, the domestically, the biggest opening weekend in North America ever was Harry Potter, which opened with, I think, $92 million. Spider-Man, only six months later, goes on to open with $114 million. Not only the first movie to ever open under or over $100 million, but it opened well over $100 million. I just remember my mind being blown at that point. And to put it into context... Two weeks later, Star Wars Episode Two would come out and open with something like eighty-five million. And I remember that the news. I remember actually, kind of, I think it was. I was watching the news that night, and it was like one of the top stories. It was like it was a big story, and it was like all in the newspapers and everything like that. And that's, I think, kind of going back to when we we're talking about our history with the film. That's when I really kind of, I think, took up and went and like, well, this is actually going to be bigger and better than I was thinking it was going to be, or something like that, because it smashed all those records. And I mean, again, putting into context. You know, Star Wars Episode Two opened on a Thursday as opposed to a Friday, which hurts weekend grosses. But even still, I don't think Attack of the Clones gets to 114 million, and that's evidence of that by the fact that domestically, for the first time and the still to this day, the only time in the history of the Star Wars series that Star Wars was not the highest grossing film of the year, it ended up coming in number three. Spider Man was number one. Harry po- or not Harry Potter? That was number two worldwide, but uh, Lord of the Rings number two. Uh, it was by far the biggest movie of the year. It got so much attention. As you said, the MTV Movie Awards Best Kiss got Academy Award nomination Best Visual Effects. 
I'm going to argue that one. Uh, l- let me just go to one quick review here. What did it lose Again, to? They- oh, yeah, you read that. I'll, I want to see what it lost to. Sorry, I interrupted uh, you. For the visual effects, I think it was Lord of the Rings, Two Towers. Oh, okay, there you go. Uh, but uh, critics' reviews here, overall, it got great response from critics. Uh, had, uh, where do we have here, the 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, on IMDb, still to this day, proving that the movie isn't dated and that it still holds up. 7.3 on IMDb, still to this day. Uh, interestingly enough, one of the negative reviews of the movie, Roger Ebert here, I wanted to read this because I found this uh, as we we're going over our reviews here. Uh, Roger Ebert says about the scene with the cable car. Um, <laughs> the visuals here could have been could have given an impression of the enormous weights and tensions involved, but instead the scene seems more like a bloodless storyboard of an idea, <laughs> criticizing the fact that there's no weight there. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Roger Ebert said something smart. But I guess one other interesting thing to note, the soundtrack for this, I'm struggling to think of any other. This was like the fad in the 90s, that every movie had a soundtrack, even if the songs were barely in the movie or you only had two or three songs in the movie. You had a soundtrack full of all modern artists and that was just a way to market your movie. It was so big with like the Batman movies and everything else. And this was, I think it hit number four on Billboard. It was a huge soundtrack full of a lot of Canadian artists. I, I just realized that now. Chad Kroger from Nickelback, mm. uh, Default, Theory of a Dead Man, Sum 41. It's like all the Canadian bands of the time. But it was a huge soundtrack. And I, I can't think of any other major soundtracks after this that sold well and that were a big deal, including the other Spider-Man movies. So I just found that interesting. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned sort of the soundtrack because um, the, the, one of the very few songs that I actually like involving Chad Kroger uh, is the song Hero. from this film, Hero. I actually yeah. really like the song. And um, I thought it played straight after the the movie ends but it plays sort of halfway through the credits um and it's actually interesting with the second one kind of the i think i actually got the soundtrack for the second one because um there was a song on it by an australian band called killing heidi called i am which i believe actually only made the australian new zealand soundtrack i don't think it was on the international soundtrack because apparently you have to have separate soundtracks in different countries (laughs) um but sort of at the to date this at the time of recording this i actually interviewed the lead singer from the band killing heidi today and uh, I brought that up. I just brought up, you know, it was probably my favourite song by them. They were sort of, you know, big in the late 90s and early 2000s. And I'm just like, hey, I really loved your song from Spider-Man. Um, so, Spider-Man 2, I should say. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's interesting to think that about the soundtrack. I mean, kind of, in recent times, obviously, I think the soundtrack for Suicide Squad was a very big deal. I mean, probably bigger yeah. than the actual movie. But it's kind of hard to really think about sort of non-musicals or non-Disney movies, I guess, where really the soundtrack has kind of gone on to to big things so yeah i think you you're definitely right with that um and i just i just interesting actually looking at the the overall critics of sort of all the spider-man movies i i would have assumed that this was the highest rated critically but actually no well, it's uh i'm guessing one. two by far yeah, yeah. spider-man two and i'm really excited to talk about that one because i'm gonna kind of give away my review early on um not only is that my favorite spider-man movie but i would probably rank that in my top five comic book superhero movies of all time and it's been again about two years since i've seen that so i'll see if that review holds up when we talk about it next week but uh, i I love spider-man 2 so much and that's enough when we get to talk about and they rushed into production that's one of the reasons it shouldn't have worked because there's only there's less than two years i think between the releases of these two movies and the fact that they did struggle with it too you know the script it took forever to get it written you had like half a dozen screenwriters working on it they changed so many things about it they could never settle on a title it was originally supposed to be called the amazing spider-man 
eventually they just call it Spider-Man 2, but that's going to be a fun one to talk about. Uh, any quick things you want to say on Spider-Man 2 before we close out here with a great interview clip? Um, yeah, well, very great interview clips. Not often we can actually talk about, you know, an A-list actor in a in an episode and kind of say, hey, we've actually got an interview with them, and it's real. It's not us pretending to be them. Um, but not that we've ever done that. But, yeah, I, I, I love Spider-Man 2. I mean, I love all three of these films. I'm, I'm even going to, you know, defend Spider-Man 3. I actually am a fan of Spider-Man 3, but you knew I would be because I like Die Another Day. Um, <laughs> you like crap. <laughs> crap, 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 make a crap. Um, I, I strangely like Spider-Man 1 better than Spider-Man 2, but not by much. Like, I still really love Spider-Man 2. And it's, um, I, I, I watched, I think it was the Honest trailer for, they did, they did an Honest trailer for all Spider-Man, the, the original trilogy. And they describe it as the, the Godfather, uh, of the spy, of superhero, the Godfather trilogy of superhero genre films. Cause it's like, where the first two films are brilliant and the third film is crap. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I, I look. I don't. I don't really say much in terms of what we will talk about because you know I think we'll save it for that. But uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it. I'm looking forward to talking about Doc Ock. I'm looking forward to ripping more shit into Mary Jane, and I'm looking forward to Tobey. I don't feel we really defended Tobey Maguire as much as I think we should because I spent too much time ripping into MJ. But let me just say this: that Tobey Maguire is awesome. Tobey Maguire should be more stuff. And hashtag Team Tobey Maguire for Spider Man. All right, so we will be back next week for Spider-Man 2. And as Ben mentioned, he did get a chance to speak to Willem Dafoe. Uh, not about Spider-Man, but still, if one of our hosts interviews Willem Dafoe, <laughs> it's going to end up on an episode here. And I can't wait for your interview with Alfred Molina next week oh. and Thomas Hayden Church for the following week. And Topher Grace. whoever that guy was that played the lame <laughs> lizard in the next one. Reese Hyphens? If I got to interview Reese Hyphens, I'd be shouting from the hill. I love him. He's awesome. I love him too, just not in The Amazing Spider-Man. We're giving away a little bit too much. I think people will be surprised when they get to The Amazing Spider-Man based on some of the criticisms we had. But yeah, it's all coming. We're going to cover every Spider-Man movie once a week leading up to Homecoming. We may even have a little bit of a preview of Homecoming. Who knows? But uh, until next time, make sure to subscribe to us on itunes if you haven't already if you have then rate this show rate us tell us how much you gang rate it gang rate oz network's coverage of the spider-man series tell us how much you love mary jane uh tell us how much mary jane loved you and everybody else around you (laughs) and uh until next time i am calling and my baby my baby my baby my baby And my name is Ben, and in the immortal words of Survivor Blood vs. Water contestant Marisa Peterson, fuck you, Mary Jane Watson. And enjoy your fruitcake and enjoy your Willem Dafoe. How's this reception tonight so far here in Hobart? Really, people are very sweet. You know, that was my experience when we were here shooting. Um, and, you know, it's funny. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I'm a guest, so you expect me to be polite, but it's beyond that. It, I really uh, hope that's a special place. And what was it like working with Sam Neill and Francis O'Connor? Great, great. Uh, they're, they're both great, and the kids in the film are great, too. Uh, Sam I knew because I had worked with him two times before, and he's really a great man and a great actor, and he's a lot of fun to be around. What do you think about a sequel one day? If the Tassie Devil ever gets extinct, you might be able to come back and look for one of them. I don't think this movie is a sequel movie. You know, but let's let's enjoy what it is, huh? Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.